0: Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: What's going on everybody? Happy Friday and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily heading into the weekend. Jets Kings tomorrow night, Bombers Alouettes and a uh, big win for the home squad last night at Canada Life Centre. Welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. Uh we've got a busy show today. We will get ready for the weekend in the Canadian Football League. Always love catching up with Marshall Ferguson. He'll join us in a few minutes. And then a little bit later on, Kenny Wiebe of Kenny and Rennie Fame, Sportsnet contributor, will join us for the latest on the local hockey squad. And we'll also talk about the next generation of Winnipeg Jets. Jacob Stoller covering the Manitoba Moose has a great piece on Cole Perfetti. We'll talk about that, as well as uh, that 61-shot performance a little earlier this week. Uh, as well as some of the other players that are making their mark in the American Hockey League with the Manitoba Moose. Uh, As always, thanks so much to the sponsors that make this program happen every day, including our newest sponsor, Vita Health Fresh Market, along with Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, our friends at Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Canadian Club Whiskey, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, and of course, Princess Auto and our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. Lots to get to. Let's uh, welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, uh, how are you doing? Have you been outside today? And how rattled were you when you had to uh, handle the roads of Winnipeg post first storm
2: of the year? Yeah, it's not good. Not good. I uh, I was pretty late um, arranging on my winter tires put on. And um, yeah, so it was just driving around is rough um you know i had two shovels that i broke last year i never replaced them so i'm like running out to like get a <laughs> shovel so is everyone else like i picked the shovel i went to a store i picked an aluminum shovel off the rack like i'm just like on the phone okay which shovel should i get by the time i'm done my conversation like everyone else has like picked off every other shovel um i'm like scrambling where's my where's my car scraper in the garage where did i put it after i took it out in the summer Uh, it's just a mess and i'm like it's hard to believe that what was
1: it five days ago six days ago the bombers were playing saturday night it was 15 degrees celsius we had this be exactly it was gorgeous uh, we knew winter was coming, and it is most definitely here. I'm going to tell you, the river's already frozen over in the matter of about 24 hours right now. And uh, bottom line is, wherever you're listening right now, if you don't have to go outside, don't. Save yourself the trouble. Yes. It's uh, it's ugly oh. outside right now. And it looks like we're going to get another two to four centimeters of snow tomorrow. So not entirely done our first blast of winter yet. Uh, All that being said, though, a good time to maybe stick around home. Huge soccer game tonight. I am so excited about this. We'll talk about it a little later on. Our pal Dustin Nielsen had an amazing segment, Tales of the North, for the game tonight in Edmonton. We'll have that before we do the marble race at the end of the program. Uh, Remo, just before we get into uh, the Jets game last night and what's the big news with the Bombers starting uh, resting or leaving at home a number of starters, this game tonight, now I'm no soccer historian in Canada, but they are going to be pushing fifty. Thousand spectators tonight in November in Commonwealth Stadium for the World Cup qualifier between Canada and Costa Rica. Of course, Canada hosts Mexico on Tuesday, the home of Alfonso Davies. I in my lifetime, I can never remember Buzz for a Canadian men's soccer game like we have tonight going into it. And, uh, you know, this team has done so well in the World Cup qualifying. I think they've earned this opportunity. And shout out to Canada for, uh, you know, doing what other countries do to us. Take advantage of the elements and the situation. Uh, I'll I'll admit, when I saw that Canada was hosting World Cup qualifiers in November in Edmonton, I laughed, but uh, it is going to be a real spectacle tonight. And, you know, while we'll spend a lot of time talking hockey and football, to me, that's the big thing on the docket for this evening.
2: Yeah. Did it what's the weather like in Edmonton? Did they get a full dump of snow? Because it is uh it's been rough, rough here. I'm like regretting. Can you imagine if that game yeah. was in
1: Winnipeg today.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm starting to think of like what it's like um gonna be like when the bombers have their playoff game December fifth, oh. if it's gonna be like like this. Like it's only that's, a, that's in less than a less than a month, uh, just less than a month. But yeah, soccer, uh, and I mean I'm having flashbacks to some Grey Cups where, I mean we don't, you know, I'm talking about Grey Cup because like you don't traditionally have soccer hus in Canada, <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see uh, what it's like. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, that game goes eight o'clock tonight. Um, And uh,
1: if you haven't checked out any of these World Cup qualifiers, uh, this is the one to do it. I think, you know, with Alfonso Davies coming home to Edmonton, um, you know, it's special just, you know, even if this was a friendly. But considering the success that, you know, we've had as Canadians in this World Cup qualifier, this is the farthest we've been really at any point, I think, in the last three decades. So, um, you know, incredible anticipation for this game tonight. Uh, We'll hit that. And of course, one of the queens of the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat, Taylor, is there along with a bunch of the voyageurs, the uh, traveling band of Canadian soccer fans ready for, I mean, arguably, and I mean, as I said, I'm no historian, but I would imagine this will be one of, if not the biggest home crowd in Canadian soccer history tonight. And um, man, I cannot wait for it. All that being said, though, Reem. Uh, We'll get to the Bombers in a minute. Big news on the roster, and we'll talk about a very interesting weekend in the Canadian Football League with Marshall Ferguson in a few minutes. Uh, But uh, the Jets got it done last night. Um, You know, it was a really weird game. I didn't think they had a great start, but, um, you know, finally got a couple things to go in. I thought Connor Hellebuck was brilliant. And, uh, you know, all it took for Nate Schmidt to get on the scoreboard was uh, have mom in the stands last night. Nate Schmidt gets his first goal for the Winnipeg Jets. See the reaction from his teammates, how pumped they were for him. And uh, I was big to get back on even terms. And uh, from then on, I think the Jets did a pretty good job of uh, making the most of their opportunities, keeping things away from Connor Hellebuck and uh, got a very important two points after a disappointing single against the Blues earlier this week.
2: Yeah, was that? A, and first of all, we we did say the Jets, you know, played well against the Blues. And if they keep playing like that, they'll win games You know, maybe the first period last night, you were maybe getting flashbacks of the last time the Jets and the Sharks played where you thought, oh, the Sharks, they got so many uh, people out, you know, due to protocol. And the Jets should easily win this one. The Sharks, you know, they had a great showing. I think the first period a bit slow for the Jets, but they had a great second. I don't know what it is. Second it's two games in a row. Second period against the Blues, very strong, did everything but score. And the second period again yesterday uh the jets really came on so i mean this dubois svechnikov connor line i mean kyle connor been elite but we did have a bit of line shuffling yes us. we did have um not connor Shafley wheeler but Shafley wheeler Ehlers and the return still- of wheelers. We're still waiting. I mean, Shifley, no goals. Wheeler, no goals. I don't think Shifley has played um, poorly. I mean, he had a ton of chances. I think Wheeler, he is not. This isn't the Wheeler that we saw last year. Um, I think the the chances will come, but moving those lines around. And then we had Jansen Harkins, has, who scored on a nice feed um, from Lowry and Kopp. Uh I'm really liking that line. So I think the Jets, you know, they've shuffled up the lines, but I think you do have now the two scoring lines in uh, the Dubois line and the Shifley line. But now I, I like having Lowry and Cobb. And you could always go back to that. They've played together for a long time. I think that option was always there. And I think Harkins, is Harkins the new Appleton now? Sorry, the new Appleton slash Tanev slash Best case scenario, Armea. yes. <laughs> I, you know what? Well, I mean, think about Mason
1: Appleton. I mean, he yeah. got into the lineup. He was a fourth liner, did well in that role. Ended up graduating to, uh, you know, the the line along with Kopp and Lowry and really thrived in that spot. Now, you know, we were talking about this off air. What will be interesting is that if Maurice continues with the top two lines the way that they are, and again, having Evgeny Svechnikov in the top six, uh, you know, really allows you some more options in that bottom six. Um, but I guess the question is right now, based on what we saw at the end of the game last night, If Paul Stastny is able to go tomorrow, where does Paul Stastny end up? Um, I mean, I I think that, you know, I think they'll probably give a little bit of a run to see what uh, Ehlers, along with Shifley and Wheeler, can make happen. I don't think they're going to touch that top line. Um, And to your point, I thought Jansen Harkins looked really good last night, along with Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry. Um, The one thing that is a little bit of a departure from what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks with a bit more of a balanced top nine. Uh, but the bottom line is right now, I think Paul Maurice is really trying to get some good things happening, particularly for Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And I'm with you. I mean, I don't think that they played poorly. I mean, I really thought they could have had four or five goals in that game against St. Louis. So, I mean, the opportunities are there. Um, but I will say from a Jets perspective, Jets fan perspective, it is pretty exciting to think what that group might be capable of together, the uh, Schleifle-Wheeler-Ealers combination, if they did get a little hot and uh, We'll look to see what they can do uh, assuming that they are together tomorrow when they drop the puck against get this the hottest team in the National Hockey League the Los Angeles Kings winners of seven games in a row
2: yeah i want to say we kind of uh, dumped all over the pacific division uh the california teams to start the season or sorry before the season anaheim we're like oh these guys we've seen anaheim a couple of times they got some exciting young players troy terry's on fire san jose I, mean, I think they'll surprise you. They do have some some young, you know, some young guys as well. LA's been strong going through uh, what Eastern. They're going through Canada, Ottawa yesterday, who has their own COVID issues. Toronto before, you know, they're missing Drew Doughty, but they have some some guys too have, who have stepped up. Sorry, seven game win streak for the LA Kings. Uh, we did see them before when the Jets when the Jets were there. So uh, as far as the Jets go, I mean, you're third in the division. Um, you're seven, three, and three, 17 points, and you haven't had a goal from Shifley and Wheeler. So, and it, I think they are, and they are playing. The team is playing well, maybe not like at the top of their capability, but uh, I think you have to be excited. And, and I think you look at the underlying numbers. Wheelers are you know looking a lot better than last year when he was struggling. And Mark Shifley, I was reading an article on Sportsnet that he's, I mean, among, among the best players. For setting up other players so far this year, um, I think shot assists. I don't know if that's the term, but you know, you put him with a guy like Ehlers. You know, maybe they can get something. Ehlers, one of the best players in the league at zone entries. So I think that could be a fit. You know, you have the two scoring lines, and then you have uh, the shutdown line, which can also contribute uh, contribute offensively. As far as Stasny, we'll wait and see what happens to him. Do you? I mean, we've been call we've been calling since last year um, to have the four center deep with Shafley, Dubois, Lowry, and Stasny. And maybe you do try to ease Stasny in, put him on the left, sorry, no, the left side, the fourth line, and uh, put him with, you know, Veselainen and Toninato, and then he can still get some power play time as well. But then you're managing his minutes a little on his way back. I think that could something that could work, and you keep this Lowry Cop Harkins line, because I think that could be a line that's like the um, Lowry Cop 10 of Lowry Cop Appleton. We could have our best, uh, like, top five, or rank your best Lowry Cop lines and maybe Harkins can give him a run yeah who's the who's the best one
1: well you know what Jansen Harkins is playing his ass off right now and Mm -hmm. um, you know it was nice to see him get rewarded last night that was a really big goal as well for those guys last night you know to kind of get a bit of a cushion late in that period Um, and it was a big part of that win last night I mean Jets finally getting one over on the San Jose Sharks who actually did have a pretty nice start up one nothing early Um, but Nate Schmidt tied the game. And I'll say this, and we've talked a lot about Kyle Connor so far this year, Reem. Um, He is really feeling it right now. That combination with he and Pierre-Luc Dubois is just deadly. But he has a nose for the net. I mean, he's always been a guy that's been able to score. But, man, he is crashing the crease. We saw the goal last night, a very un-KFC-like goal. Um, And there was a couple other opportunities last night where he was not shy of driving into the blue paint um, uh, and I'll tell you what, if Kyle Connor does that consistently, along with everything else that he brings to the table with that incredible skill, uh, we could be talking about a guy that will be challenging OV and the top goals goal scorers in the league as we get through this season.
2: Yeah, I mean he's and his we're used to seeing him like at the dot rip and one timers, but I mean his goal as well on Tuesday, you know that goal. Um, he's in close to the net, picks the puck up, and you know, has time, is like fading away and shoots it over Bennington yesterday, you know, in tight on a nice play from, uh, from his linemates. That was one of the easier ones. But yeah, Kyle Connor, 10 goals. I mean, he's among the league leaders in points right now. Um, he is one, two, three, four, fifth in the league behind Troy Terry. He's got 18. Um, Troy Terry, by yeah, the Tr- way. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you picked him up in fantasy to start the year. But, yeah, Troy Terry, we talked about uh, how the Ducks are. I mean, what incredible start. But Drysaddle, McDavid, Ovechkin, Terry, Connor, uh, pretty awesome. And, you know, goals as well. Uh, he's, you know, fourth in the league behind Drysaddle, Ovechkin, Terry, and Connor. More goals than than McDavid, though. So, I mean, Kyle Connor, we said, you know, could he score 40? And we know he's got the elite shot. And he's been given a ton of opportunity this year um, on the power play. And now on, I guess. Did he score I guess, 50? I guess that's the top line, Huss. Uh, Dubois, Svechnikov, right now, and Connor,
1: right yeah, now. Scoring. I mean, if you if you yeah. want it,
2: I mean, they're producing right now.
1: Certainly, Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois have really been driving the bus right now. I have no doubt that we'll see. Similar things from uh, the Scheifele line going forward. Nikolai Ehlers maybe getting a little bit of puck luck going his way as well as Blake Wheeler. But right now, I mean, Kyle Connor has been leading the way along with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I mean, maybe Connor has been watching what PLD has been doing because speaking of taking the puck to the blue paint, I mean, he is just utilizing his speed and his size as well as I've ever seen oh. him do right now. And Man, it's really creating. I see Justin Fung, great line in the chat. KFC adding a new secret
2: ingredient? Uh, yes,
1: <laughs> indeed. <laughs> That's
2: excellent. Man. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, this guy is the player that we thought we were getting last year. I mean, uh, Paul Maurice would say he's, he's a man. He's got man strength. <laughs> I mean, he's hard to push off the puck. Definitely but he also, a man. He also has that element where you know, that the Jets didn't have, you know, you have Line a and Connor, which I think are similar type players. Dubois is a guy he's big and strong. Not that those, you know, those guys aren't, but he goes to the hard areas. He goes in the corners. He pushes guys around. He uses his size, but he's also, you know, when he needs to, he's got speed. Uh, he's got hands And but he's been going to the net and, and scoring goals and making them happen. So he's having an awesome season. I was actually just looking at PLD rookie cards uh before the show i should have i should have been doing that last year where you where you buy low um but yeah i mean he's he's been awesome and that that line i mean and the vetrikov pickup just looking so good every every day and you still wondering like how he was even available and i I know you you said said it so many times
1: how but it is it's found money right now and uh, man it's a great thing for the winnipeg jets to have a guy like that for nothing Come in, young player, and fit in as well as he has, along with um, Dubois and Connor, who have just been sensational so far this season. Um, We've got a lot going on, um, you know, coming up. I do want to get to the Bombers. But, Remo, I I did put out one tweet from the game last night. And it got a lot of reaction. It was very simple. Hashtag ban the wave. Uh, I was being somewhat facetious about actually banning the wave. But, my God, you... 10 minutes left in the third period in a close game and people are doing the wave. What a terrible, terrible time for Jet fans to decide that they wanted to party. But I tell you what, with I don't know whether it was the fact that it was Remembrance Day and a lot of people had the next day off. Um, pretty fun atmosphere. A lot of the seats that had been empty at some of the other games up in the 300s were full last night. Uh, but despite the fact that people were having a good time, there's a time and a place for everything. And 10 minutes left in a still close game. Not the time to do the wave. Thank you very much.
2: Yes. Uh, yeah, that's up to you to say. I don't know. People want to do the wave. Uh, they can do it. I, I like the wave. I think it's great. Um, they were winning. 7-1 game. Two minutes left. Have at her. What do you mean? 4-1? That's not enough
1: of a lead? With that's not It wasn't 4-1 at the time. It was 3-1. They hadn't even had the second TV timeout yet in the third period.
2: So what you can only do the wave. So is this the official wave rule? You can only do it if you're winning by three or more goals in the final five minutes of the third period. Is that the only the time? After the last
1: TV timeout, after... I think let's
2: let's put together
1: let's put together some rule some rules and regulations or some wave guidelines. Okay, three goal lead after the final TV timeout. Um, you know it's sort of like chanting na 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 or something like that. I mean you don't do that till the game is over. That's at least where I... And it's funny. There was a lot, there was a lot of comments on this, I would say more uh, more positive than others. I mean, Beller says, No way was there Saturday night, lame zero, uh, two nothing loss. I'd take the win with the wave. Well, I mean, it's a terrible example, Beller. I mean, it's not one or the other. Um, <laughs> they didn't lose on Saturday because they didn't do the wave, I will tell you that much. Alan Gunter says. Party pooper. Let us enjoy ourselves. Old man. Yes. (laughs) Ken Hallworth. the eighties called. They want their wave back. We look like a bunch of hicks. Hashtag fan the wave. Uh, Gregor was like, Justin Cleasing, old man yells at cloud. Uh, BA was like, Hey, at least the crowd is alive tonight. And it was last night. And, uh, John hate the wave trying to watch this great performance. And, uh, Jason says, "I'm a, I'm a ban the wave guy until the wave starts." Um, so, anyways, some interesting feedback on all of that yesterday, Reem, and uh, you know, it's one of those uh, it's one of those hot button topics. Um, like, I don't really care about the wave like at, at regular times, but. You know, it's almost, as I say, it's almost like celebrating a win before the game is over. Time and a place for everything. And uh, again, we're going to need to put in rules and regulations, guidelines for the wave going forward. um, So we don't have mishaps like what
2: happened last night. We'll do a we'll do a TikTok rules for doing the wave. (laughs) One, you need to have at least a three goal lead. It needs to be in the bag after the second TV timeout. And I don't know what the other one is. I don't know if I don't know if we have a third one, but uh, but sure. I, I, I'm people. I think people had fun. I don't think. And the, <laughs> Rambler says we don't need fan cheering. Choice, please. People want to do the wave. hustle, let him let him do it, man.
1: <laughs> Rambler, sorry, hustler. We do not need fan cheering. Police. <laughs> I love the fact. I love the fact that like as just a simple tweet like that got so many people talking about it on either side. Uh, as I said, not trying to be a party pooper, but um, you know, win the game first and then do your victory lap. You know what I'm saying, people? Okay, um, listen, uh, bomber news. We're going to get to Marshall Ferguson in just a second. Uh, Remo, uh, we'd sort of been speculating this all week. We sort of knew that when Sean McGuire was getting the start that this lineup might look significantly different. And uh, Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea leaving a number of stars at home for the trip out to Montreal for the game tomorrow. Zach Caleros, as we mentioned, but um, D-backs, Deatrick Nichols, Nick Taylor, and Brandon Alexander all getting the night off. Jackson Jeffcoat, Sto Richardson, Patty Neufeld, and Janarian Grant as well, all not planned. And uh, it sounds like Jamarcus Hardrick as well going to be uh, taking, the, uh, taking the day off.
2: Wow, those are some big names. So if you were like, if everyone was like you who went and grabbed Montreal uh, plus the points when they announced McGuire was starting, It's looking like a pretty strong move. I I think this is the right move, Huss. I mean, let the other guys play. I think it's important to give Sean McGuire some reps. Um, You know, the game, I don't want to say it doesn't matter for them, but they can improve their spot in the standings. You're already on top. So if someone has anything minor, um, let them rest. And then maybe next week, um, you'll you know you'll go hard because you still you don't want to let them go too long without a meaningful game action us and they do have the buy i think it's an advantage because they kind of had a buy last year even though they had a buy in the last week of the regular season but they were able to manage it um, manage it that way but they're going to be at home for the December 5th game uh i think this is this is good and i i mean hopefully everyone you just hope everyone is healthy um For the playoffs yeah i'm
1: really looking forward to seeing what mcguire can do tomorrow i mean in his first start i mean uh, as basically all we've seen him do is do one yard plunges into the end zone for touchdowns every second time he touches the football uh, by the way, I did misspeak. Jamarcus Hardrick is in the lineup. Stanley Bryant's there, but it doesn't look like he'll start. So, I mean, they might just keep Stanley on the sidelines. Richmond's going to be in at left tackle. Uh, Drew DeJarle at guard. Uh, Couture to Eli at guard. And then big Jamarcus Hardrick on the right side. Uh, we're going to talk about both the Bombers as well as a couple huge games in the Canadian Football League tonight. Battle for first place between the Ticats and the Argonauts and then BC playing for their lives tonight against the Calgary Stampeders a little later on with our friend Marshall Ferguson coming up in just a couple minutes. Uh, Before we do that, big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, our newest sponsor here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, If you're not familiar with Vita Health, um, you probably should be. 85 years of empowering people to lead healthy lives here in Winnipeg family-owned since 1936. Uh, And Vita Health Fresh Market stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. And the best part about it is incredible staff. there trained on all these products to help you get the right product for what you are looking for to do. Organic produce, local grass-fed meats, and amazing grab-and-go deli available with Vita Market salads and sandwiches, all there for you, in and out, healthy, fresh, fast. It's fantastic. Seven Winnipeg locations right now, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And you can find out more about everything that Vita Health has, both on the grocery and the supplement side, by hitting up online at myvita.ca. Um, last couple of weeks, when we've been doing our spot for our pals over at Manitoba Battery, I've been saying, you know, everyone, winter is coming. Well, guess what? It's here. And while we're not into minus 30 territory, uh, there's a chance that that will be right around the corner. And you do not want to be that guy realizing that, damn, I need a new battery. Uh, There still is a bit of time before you get stuck and need to deal with it the hard way. And our friends at Manitoba Battery can hook you up with a new battery without even leaving your home and save money as opposed to what you'd pay at Costco or one of the big box stores. Picked up. At Manitoba Battery on Logan Avenue, eighty-nine fifty with core exchange or delivered anywhere within the city limits, just $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. And, of course, Manitoba Battery has batteries for everything, not just automotive. Find out more on how they can power you at ManitobaBattery.com. Pop down and see them, 1026 Logan Avenue, or uh, give them a call at 783 87. 87 and uh you know i've been uh trying to hydrate more lately uh the great culligan water is uh keeping me hydrated and our pal michael remus just got a nice delivery from the culligan folks uh you can take care of you know everything for your family water filters softeners uh bottled water coolers bottle free coolers as well as filtration systems and commercial and industrial services as well drink pop by and see him at 1200 sergeant avenue or give them a call at 694 Uh Remo, how is the uh, how is the Culligan stock that you just got yesterday?
2: Oh yeah, real real nice, uh, real nice Culligan stock. I'm super fired up. Uh, delivery was easy. They dropped it off at my house, and um, I'm good for a bit. And I thought the pricing uh, was pretty reasonable. As well. So, yeah, I don't have to go go out and do it myself. I don't have time to drive to, you know, pick up water anymore. I'm doing Even if
1: you had the time, you don't want to do it. I mean, it's just one of those things. So, let the Culligan man take it to you. Hit him online at drinkculligan.com. All right. Kenny Weeb coming up in a few minutes. We'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll look ahead to this game against the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night. Who have somehow won seven games in a row coming into tomorrow's tilt at Canada Life Center. Uh, but just a little earlier today, we got a chance to catch up with our good friend Marshall Ferguson to get ready for the uh, Bombers Alouettes tomorrow. His thoughts on the beasts of the West, as well as uh, looking ahead to a couple big, big games in the CFL tonight. Here's our conversation with TSN Marsh. Ferguson from TSN and CF perspective to get ready for uh, both the playoffs and what's happening this weekend. Marsh, what's good? How are you, man?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be on with you, hustler. I I can't believe that as you say, we're down to the short strokes of the regular season because uh, this is a weird one where I knew the shortened season was going to punch me in the face at some point. It hasn't really for the majority of the year. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, huh, we're we're two weeks out from these games actually sending people home for the winter. Okay, that's good. Yeah, uh, I guess we better figure out who's actually good and who's not. And it feels like that's crystallized in the last couple of weeks, but to, uh, to get down to the nuts and bolts and actually get the playoff seedings is refreshing, I think, at this point in the year. It's even more bizarre, and
1: I think it just speaks to how incredible the Bombers have been this season, is that, you know, you've got a shortened year. There's only 14 games, and the yeah. Bombers essentially had a month to figure out what they're going to do for the West Final.
0: Yeah, and, and it's... It's so interesting because the rest versus rust thing is the classic argument. But for me, the the matter of intensity in practice is another. For a lot of teams that you would typically worry about at this point in the year, like I, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence and a lot of coaching staffs to maintain a level of of competitiveness and uh, and willingness to go to work every single day. But I have a hard time believing that a Mike O'Shea, Richie Hall coached team is going to take their foot off the throttle in practice whatsoever. Like I I just I can't imagine Winnipeg going to work and slumming their way through it and not coming out with energy. And Zach Calaro's being a little bit off one day at practice, and all they don't really compete, and all they they, you know unnecessary injuries because guys are being reckless with each other in practice. I, I just feel like they're so well coached that they have this amount of time off to be able to get themselves prepared. I think they're going to maximize it. I really do. And, and uh, there's a lot of negatives that can come with a situation like this for Winnipeg if you don't handle it properly. But if you do, there's a lot of positives that can come out of this. So I, I'll be interested to see how Sean McGuire looks in this game against Montreal because I'm always intrigued by the backup quarterbacks throughout this league and finding out what they're able to do more than just sneak the ball forward for six inches twenty five times a year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I think it'll be it'll be nice to see kind of how they how they decide to carry the momentum that they've built because they've earned the right to be in this spot with the December 5th home West final. Now, what do you do with it? Cause there's no point in earning this opportunity. If you don't handle it the right way, I think they will, but I just want to see what that looks like.
1: Well, and, and I mean, everyone in Winnipeg that's followed this team for a long time, remembers the heartbreak of 2001, where mm-hmm. the bombers were in a similar situation. They rested all of their starters in the final game of the year against the Calgary Stampeders who weren't even in the playoffs at that moment, lost that game, didn't care, had to buy the next week. And then you know, by the time they got to the Grey Cup, um, you know, they had a red hot Calgary team that, you know, had really started their rise in that final game with their backs against the wall. And it does seem like this weekend's game is going to be the rest game, at least for a player like Zach Caleros, yeah. uh, maybe with a little bit more live feel in the final game against Calgary, which depending on what happens tonight could be a game that they have to win to get into the playoffs. So, I mean, it's very interesting. Um, I'll, I'll say this, just one more on the blue bombers though. Um, we're talking about the Grey cup in Hamilton. Um, you know, no one gets the Grey cup. No one gets to the Grey cup before the regular season's over. How stunned would you be if the Winnipeg blue bombers aren't representing the West on the 12th?
0: I can't even imagine it. I really can't, and that might seem ridiculous to people because trust me, I I love football for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest ones is that This is not, well, you lose the first game because you're a little bit out of rhythm going into the playoffs and ah, that's okay. You know, you get them in games. You always see this in the NHL and the NBA sometimes where guys rest down the stretch or there's injuries or people are getting their way back into the lineup outside of obviously everything that happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning last year where you're just hiding Kucherov for an extended period of time. And then you're like, hey, look, he's still great. He's been practicing with us for a month. Scam. Um, Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of the time you see this though, where a team that's the heavy favorite one versus an eight seed or something will lose the first game and then sweep two, three, four, five. And everybody overreacts after game one. And then you realize, oh, no, they just they needed to get their feet wet. They're fine. There's nothing wrong with them in football. You lose game one. You are done. like <laughs> this, this thing is over. So I, I love and respect the game of football because it, it keeps people honest in that playoff setting where all it takes is four quarters of bad football against any opponent in any given week. Like even talking to Steve Daniel about the the playoff seeding machinations in the East Division right now. There's, you know, going into this weekend, there's 32 possible combinations of how this stuff could turn out. And one of them is a three-way tie. And there's only three of the possibilities that result in Montreal actually winning the East Division. And it requires tiebreakers and crossovers. And there's all of these possibilities. And every time that he makes these, these situations, do you know what win probability he gives? And this will drive you and Dustin Nielsen crazy because I know you guys do lock shop and all the betting stuff. He says in every single football game, there is a 50-50 chance. That each team is going to win that game. And the reason that he says he has that He hasn't been is,
1: watching the Bombers this exactly. year, Marsh.
0: Well, what I'm saying is he puts it at 50-50. I, I mean, for the Bombers, if if any of us are not putting it at 80-20 at minimum, it, that would be crazy based on what you've seen of them. But if Zach Laros throws two bad interceptions... I mean, hell, week one, and I, I don't want to put this bad juju on the Bombers, but when you go back and you look at week one of Edmonton against Ottawa, Edmonton's offense was dominant. Ottawa's offense was non-existent it was the worst offensive output that we've seen from a single team in like 15 years but Ottawa goes on to win how well untimely interceptions and not being able to execute in the score zone. I mean there's going to be a lot more than that that's going to have to happen to Winnipeg if they're going to lose, but there is an equation somewhere in there it could happen with that being said. Do I see Zach Laro's throwing two or three really bad interceptions and giving up bad field position? Do I see the defense giving up a boatload of points in the fourth quarter when they haven't done all year long? Hell no. I don't see that. So that's why I'm I'm standing here saying to you, I got respect for Dave Dickinson. I think he's one of, if not the best coaches in the CFL. I got a lot of love for what Cody Fajardo is trying to build there in Saskatchewan. Uh, Winnipeg's going to be in the Grey Cup. And, and if if I'm wrong about this, and I, I flipped my tune on this about week 10, where I was kind of going, yeah, they're good, but, well, I don't know. but. And then we hit week 10, week 11, and I saw enough of the resume where I went, you know what, I'm going to say Winnipeg's going to win every game moving forward. And until I'm proven wrong, I'm just going to ride with them because I, I have more faith in them being able to put it together for an extended period of time than I do in me being able to correctly predict the one game where they get upset, like in week three against Toronto. So, uh, yeah, I'm riding with them at this point, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
1: Marshall Ferguson's with us. Uh, check out the website CF perspective. And of course you should be following him on Twitter at TSN underscore Marsh. Well, let's go to where it really is. Interesting. You sort of teed it up this East division completely wide open between the three teams that will be in the playoffs tonight. Massive game for first place, Toronto, Hamilton. Um, you're in the hammer right now. What's the pulse of the tie cat nation right now? And, um, How should they be feeling going into this matchup, considering Toronto barely beat Ottawa last week? And we have seen signs that the Ticats maybe are more and more the team that we expected them to be at the start of the year, as opposed to the one that really did struggle for the better part of the first 50, 60% of the schedule.
0: Let me just say, before I go into the actual analysis of this, I love this. Like, I I just love the chaos and the fact that it's Hamilton and it's Toronto, because the storylines that are involved in this are... Hamilton is supposed to be the dominant team from 2019 who puts it all together, has all these stars and blows everybody's doors off. That's what we thought they were going to be. As I've said in earlier appearances with you this year, that's not what they are. Like, they are not that team. Their defense has held it down completely. Their offense has been struggling to find consistency and personnel packages that work for them. And then you go to Toronto, and I've said this since the start of the year, I I wasn't very good in high school science class, I think grade 10 biology, I failed. I had to go to summer school and somehow magically my grade jumped from a 52 to an 82. Um, but hey, man, that happens when you go to summer school. But what I do know from my time in grade 10 biology is science experiments you never really know what's going to happen when you throw a bunch of variables into a glass jar together, but at some point something entertaining is going to happen. It might be foaming over. It might be (laughs) bright colors come out the top. It It might, might blow up. It might explode or it might make something beautiful that you didn't predict whatsoever there's a lot of variables that have been put in place in Toronto this year. So you've got these co- two completely different science projects side by side. The one that we thought was going to be consistency and offensive explosion, and they haven't found their identity. And the other one that's, Hey, we have uh, nine guys deep on our defensive line. Cause we signed every single free agent from the NFL and otherwise, and memes like Sean Oakman that have just turned into these great CFL players with six sacks this year. And I mean, you factor in the special teams battle and Boris B the way he's playing, Taylor Burlett finding his way across the CFL, the return game. And I think the funnest thing for me on this is that they're so different, but I think all the parts are kind of equal. When you look at the games that they've played against each other, it's like, we're different styles. We have different strengths, different weaknesses, and it almost brings us to ahead of being that 50, 50 point. So I think Hamilton looks like the better team at this point, the way that they have been trending, the way the offense is starting to feel. I I talked to Jeremiah Masoli a couple weeks ago, and he said, people have been doubting us all year, and rightfully so, because we haven't been producing. But we also haven't had Braylon Addison healthy. We haven't had Brandon Banks working alongside people that he knows. We haven't had a healthy offensive line. Chris Van Zyl was out for a big chunk of the year. We've been rotating running backs all season long. He said, we finally got a little bit of consistency in who's actually standing next to us in the huddle. And that's helped us down the stretch. Now, for Toronto, I mean, moving Nick Arbuckle and deciding to go with McLeod Bethel Thompson and then having him a couple of weeks later chuck up those three interceptions on the road against one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the league is not ideal to build confidence in your team going forward. If there's something I can say to Argos fans, though, it's that that is about as bad as you can possibly play. And in the second half, they still found a way to win. Well, I watched Toronto in week one against Calgary on the road not blow the doors off the Stampeders but find a way to win I saw them even though they should have lost the game against BC you go to overtime they found a way to win the Argos in close games and this is really interesting with the score differential the Argos in close games throughout this year I believe four points or less are like four and oh five and oh something like that but when they lose holy do they ever lose so they're negative 20 something in the point differential throughout this season just because they win the close ones and they lose by blowouts for Hamilton you have this other tendency where they can fight through any type of game, any adversity, but they've had an inability to close, whether it be at home against Toronto or at home against Montreal in those back-to-back games where they lost shockingly at Tim Hortons Field. So there's so many dynamics that go into this, but the 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 main crux of this conversation is that you are going to be fighting tonight at BMO Field for the opportunity to potentially, again, Hamilton's still got to take care of Saskatchewan in the final week of the regular season if they beat Toronto to claim that, that top spot. But you are fighting for the opportunity to, A, rest and get healthy, and B, be in rhythm and have a home date. Because when you're fighting down the stretch like this, it's not the Winnipeg situation. You are full throttle until you don't have to be, which is your bye week, which is earned. And then you get an opportunity to play at home. And for Hamilton, to be, and I know they lost two games at home this year against Toronto and and Montreal. There's no team that values home field, maybe outside of Saskatchewan and maybe Winnipeg this season specifically, but historically the last five years, there's no team that's thrived more at home off of their crowd than Hamilton. Tim Hortons feels a tough place to be able to play, and I just feel like Hamilton is is not just fighting for the win-loss column, and they're not just fighting for the prestige of first in the East. Hell, they're not even fighting for the bye week. They're fighting for, we want December 5th to be in Hamilton. Because that gives us the best opportunity to ride a wave of emotion for two weeks. And like I said, with Winnipeg, four bad quarters of football, your season's over. I think the way Hamilton's probably looking at this internally is if we can fight our ass off and get ourselves two home dates, Grey Cup's already at home, East Finals at home, I think Orlando Steiner is going to stand in front of that room and say, guys, we are eight eight quarters of good football away from winning the Grey Cup, and we don't have to leave our own beds if we win these next couple of weeks. That's pretty powerful as a motivating force I would think.
1: No, it absolutely is and you know it's funny I mean I'm a big Chiefs fan and I see some similarities between this year's Chiefs yeah. team and the Thai Cats and that they were a big favorite in the championship game last uh, last time out got their asses kicked came back everyone assumed that they would be this team and they were the great cup favorites going in Chiefs were a heavy Super Bowl favorite. Totally. And the first half of the season did not go according to anyone's plan. Now Kansas city's won some games, but haven't looked very good doing it. Um, I would say that the tie cats are a little further along with their last performances in the last couple of weeks. But to your point, um, they know, and sometimes a more dangerous team is the one that kind of learned some hard lessons earlier in the season. And I will say this, if Hamilton wins this game tonight and beats Saskatchewan and is at home, In the East final, I expect them to be in the great cup and no matter how good the bombers are this year, that Mm. will without a doubt be the toughest test of the season to go into Hamilton to a team that's been through what they've been this season, the bitter taste of what happened in 2019 for 60 minutes to raise that trophy.
0: Yeah, for sure. I uh, I actually this year, and I don't know if it's because we both got canned from working our usual jobs, and I and, <laughs> and I and I had to look around and start reading self-help and well-being books. But um, I've taken an interest in some of that kind of like looking at the root causes of, of human emotion and how we can apply it to sport. And and so I've read a couple of books this year throughout the season. One of them that relates exactly to what you're talking about is called Failing Forward. And this book is essentially about taking your your uh, your mistakes or things that you've been disappointed in and being able to to twist them and turn them into positives that motivate you to move forward. Right. So failing forward, you fail and then you can push forward through things. And when you talk about being able to, to basically light that fire under you going into the playoffs, Hamilton losing those two games at home against Toronto and Montreal, if they take care of business on those two. This division is probably locked up at this point by the Tiger Cats. It's the reason why I think it feels like Hamilton's the better team, but we're all going, wow, they have to do that in order to win the East? Well, and then people also forget the Labor Day rematch game where Hamilton played last in BMO field. There, You know, Dane Evans gets hurt. David Watford has to come in, all the rest. But what ended up happening in that game? Watford drives down the field, scores a touchdown. Extra point goes off the uprights by Michael Domegal. If he hits that extra point, we're tied up. We're looking at the game going down the stretch, possibly into overtime. And then Hamilton just has to get one score if they win the coin toss and then get a defensive stop. So it's like the idea that Hamilton can take some of that adversity and have it fuel them moving forward. There's this quote in that failing forward book that says, there are no mistakes. There are only lessons. Okay. And this is about to get real deep and philosophical, but trust me, it comes back to sports. There are no mistakes in life. There are only lessons. We learn from the small lessons in order to fix our problems if we refuse to learn from the small lessons they become larger when large lessons prevent us from moving forward we end up feeling pain because that's the universe's way of saying to us hey you're an idiot you should have learned the small lessons now they're large (laughs) lessons now they're gonna hurt because you were neglecting learning them the first time around hamilton learned some small lessons and i think they prevented them from becoming big ones and so they i don't think they have to feel that pain of Hey, let's uh, let's lose on the road to Montreal in the first round because we don't know how to play as a road team, or we don't have our pass protection figured out, or they've taken some of these things that they've they've dealt with throughout the year, and I think they've learned from them, and I think that they've improved, and that's the sign of a good team. And I would say this as well to the point of Winnipeg. That team, you look at the record, you go, well, they haven't gone through any adversity, right? I mean, they haven't, they have, and they've learned from it. Like despite what the record says, it's not always this this binary narrative of well, my team lost some games, therefore they must have learned, therefore they're going to be better. You can win games, still learn, and still improve. And that's what's been scary about Winnipeg, is they've found ways to improve themselves throughout the year, despite the fact that the wins kept racking up. So for me, Hamilton and Winnipeg looks like the most, uh, I would say, it makes the most sense to see them playing in the Grey Cup once again. Toronto. Again, could totally crash that party. I don't see Montreal doing it based on the quarterback situation. I, I just don't think Trevor has the, the 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 wits about that offense yet to get it done. I don't think Schultz can push them through personally. I don't I don't even know if Standback can. To be real with you, because I think you run up against a good passing attack in Hamilton, Toronto. That's probably going to kill that dream for Montreal. And then, like I said, Calgary, Saskatchewan. I respect what they do. They're not as well rounded as Winnipeg. So if Hamilton can continue to churn out three hundred yard passing games, limit the turnovers, and own a little bit more time of possession, and sprinkle in a little Don Jackson here and there get some stops get some turnovers with Simone Lawrence to Garrett Davis I mean man that that looks like that's a 2019 Grey Cup rematch to me
1: I cannot wait for the playoffs hey we've just got a minute left the one team we haven't talked about is the BC Lions they are on life support I mean the Bombers have kicked some teams asses and then we've seen them just kind of crumble BC's lost six in a row right now playing for their playoff lives they are at home playing against Calgary a massive game any reason to think that BC might be able to
0: get off the mat tonight and keep their season alive. I think their spirit is broken and rightfully so. And and the reason that I say this is they had every, every opportunity hustler for this to be a special year. Like this was so lined up for them. I remember tweeting back before they hosted Winnipeg and they hosted Saskatchewan in back to back weeks. You know what? This lines up nicely for BC. They look good. They're in a rhythm. They've got some home dates against some really important teams. They end up losing to Saskatchewan because their kicking game falls apart. They end up losing the game against the Toronto Argonauts late in the season when they need to win because of the kicking game once again. They end up losing down the stretch against Winnipeg because Winnipeg just handles them and Kalaros has his very best game of the entire season. Uh, I mean, it's you go on and on and on, and it's like missed opportunity, missed opportunity, missed opportunity. And it's the same thing as the Ticats where you're saying, the Ticats should have the East locked up right now. BC should be sitting pretty in the three spot right now with Calgary on the outside looking in. It's the other way around at this point because there's been so many missed opportunities by the BC Lions. So I think Michael Riley's got a lot of fight in them. I think he understands what this adversity is about, but I, I don't think the rest of that team yet is built to deal with the level of adversity that they've given themselves. I think they just dug too big of a hole and it's going to be real tough to get out of. With that being said, they could get the win against Calgary. I still don't think it saves them by the end of next week.
1: Marsh, I uh, always love these chats. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, fingers crossed. Maybe we'll be a hoisting a couple in the hammer in a few weeks.
0: Yes, I would very much look forward to that. I think despite the fact that the Great Cup Festival is uh, somewhat here, somewhat there, somewhat nowhere, that we will find a way to uh, have some usual uh, Grey Cup shenanigans regardless. Thank you, Hustler.
1: All right, great stuff with Marshall Ferguson. Man, he's a treat to have on the program. Really appreciate him. Uh, make sure you're giving him a follow at TSN underscore Marsh and checking out... The website cf perspective one thing that marshall does do a great job of in addition to cfl as we mentioned is cover u sports and i should mention um with all this winter weather uh maybe a bit of a preview of what we're going to be doing on december 5th at ig field tomorrow bison's and the alberta golden bears in the hardy cup semifinal at ig field so uh you think you can hack it bundle up get out there should be an amazing game Uh, The Bison games have been so exciting all season long. They've been through a lot this season. And uh, a home playoff game with the opportunity to get to the Hardy Cup final is exactly what they are hoping to do. So best of luck to Brian Dobie's squad in the game tomorrow. Um, We're going to talk Jets with Ken Weeb in just a few minutes. You want to thank Royal Sports for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know it well, the heavyweight kings of all things hockey for over 35 years in winnipeg family owned and uh you know with the most incredible inventory when it comes to everything under the sun for hockey but it's not just there with the snow here tons of snowboard gear available they had a big sale a couple of weeks ago tons of stock in and of course they are the spot to get geared up for your next trip to see the winnipeg jets and of course the winnipeg blue bombers December 5th might be a good time for uh, maybe a new bomber toque to get ready for the game. Uh, Whatever you're looking for, if it's sports, Royal Sports has got it. Pop by and see him at 750 Pembina Highway. A big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp as well. The Winnipeg Car Lab is open, uh, doing custom wraps, deckling, striping, tinting, rims, and more and of course it's right there at Waverly and McGillivray connected to Not Auto Corp where you'll find the best deals on the best vehicles with the help of the Knot team why not get in the car of your dreams at a great price at Not Auto Corp see them at Waverly and McGillivray or check them out online at not.ca And the weekend is here. And you know what goes well with the weekend? A few ice cold Little Brown Jugs. Uh, The Winter Variety Pack is available. And if you haven't tried the new limited edition Double, it is phenomenal. You can get that as part of the uh, Winter Good Times Variety Pack as well. Check them out online. You can order for home delivery. And uh, if you're looking for a great spot to go uh, have a pint or two, pop down and see them at the Tap Room and Brewery on William Avenue. LittleBrownJug.ca Order online as well as find the event page for um, your opportunity to book Little Brown Jug for a holiday gathering, bachelorette party, whatever you're looking to do. LittleBrownJug.ca, great supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's get to it. It's Weber time. We, were, we did our Culligan um, spot earlier. I've been drinking water, but no one is more hydrated than our next guest. Ken Weeb. You know him from Kenny and Reddy, sportsnet.ca. You follow him on Twitter, at Weeb's World, covering the Winnipeg Jets. Junior, what's going on? How
3: are you? Great to see you, Hus. Uh, all all is well here. Happy to uh, be with you, and uh, yeah, great great weekend ahead. Except for the uh, the, the pile of snow outside that uh, prevented me from getting out to skate at my own uh, hockey this afternoon, but that's okay. We'll we'll get over it. Yeah, this was a good day.
1: Maybe just to hunker down. I'll be honest. There's a lot of things that are different about our new reality of how we're putting up out our content. Uh, today was a great day to be working from home. <laughs> I didn't want to get <laughs> off. That, that right. is for sure. Well, um, You know, I'm really looking forward to this game. We'll talk about, you know, the Kings who come in on a seven game here going into tomorrow night. But um, first off, uh, what you think about the uh, Jets 4-1 win over the Sharks finally getting a couple points against San Jose in the final matchup of the uh, regular season series?
3: Yeah, it's a team that has given them trouble. Whether it was uh, you know comprised mainly of Barracuda players or Sharks players, uh, the Jets did have a little bit of trouble once again with the speed and the early going. But uh, not that they were you know not that the Jets aren't fast. They just were having a little bit of trouble on the forecheck. It seemed a little bit. But second half of the game, the Jets were uh, you know flying around and getting things done. Uh, I thought it was another impressive performance. Uh, we know who drove the uh, offensive bus, uh, if you will. Uh, definitely looking forward to hearing. Uh, what Jacob Stoller, uh is he is he a, is he a rider on the Gus bus, Huss? Oh we'll, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. We'll we'll get back to that in a second. But uh man, twelve shots on goal and twenty-two attempts for the trio of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Yevgeny Svechnikov. Uh that group continues to absolutely fly around and uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, you know, discussion and uh you know about Mark Scheifele and, and Blake Wheeler, but I mean man. Blake with, uh, with with two point blankers again yesterday. Uh, and Blake was in fine form today in his media session. Uh, I'll be taking care of that shortly <laughs> for all of the... <laughs> he had a very clear message for some of the doubters there. And uh, as someone who has covered Blake since his arrival uh, in Winnipeg, uh, I think it's fairly safe to say that I don't imagine that Bagel is going to be uh, sticking around for much lo- longer under the Well, I'll tell you toll. what, I
1: mean, Ken, if they continue to put up, you know,
3: great scoring chances the way they have this
1: week you would think it's almost impossible for those guys not to get on the score sheet but i can understand some element of frustration um but it's a little less frustrating when other guys are stepping up and the team's able to get the points in the standings
3: for sure and you know blake's made that pretty clear uh, during his time here Uh, he's he's just as happy to have uh, you know limited production if the team is seven three and three but he also knows that part of his you know he's got he's on a big ticket and part of that ticket is due to production but we also know that uh this is not just a, an issue where you know the jets are you know having issues on the raw production side i mean the good folks in the analytics departments uh those numbers were pretty dominant uh, when you're looking at shot share uh, in that game against the St. Louis Blues. So uh, it's not like this team, this line is bringing the Jets down defensively or cheating the game offensively in order to try and get out of those slumps, if you will, Huss. And you know what? Even something as simple as a play where Mark Shifley wins the draw and Blake Wheeler wins the race to the puck, gets it back to Josh Morrissey, and a goal results in that, That something as small as that, that it doesn't end up as a statistic for Mark Scheifele, that's something that can get him going. I love the fact that Paul Maurice put Nikolai Ehlers with those two. Adam Lowry was doing a you know very solid job and very workmanlike, and also creating chances as well with his ability to win board battles and create chaos on the forecheck. But uh, the the speed element that Nikolai Ehlers can bring to that line can help both players. Us. I mean, we talked about it with Sean and Sam Cosentino after the game last night. Part of the reason that Pierre-Luc Dubois has been such a dominant force is that when you play with the guy as fast as Kyle Connor, you need to get the giddy up going. You got to get the feet moving all the time or you get left behind. So uh, I think that for Mark Shifley and also for Ealers, there have been times where, uh, they haven't been using their speed as much as we're used to seeing. They're both guys that have explosive strides. And, of course, we know Mark Shifley is probably dealing with the Charlie horse uh, after getting tied up with Adam Pellick along the boards. He's fighting through it. But Ehlers, you know, he was under the weather for a while. But I think those two guys can push one another uh, and get that speed component that could lead to even more offensive chances. But the fact that they haven't been cheating at the defensive end while uh, you know these slumps in terms of gold production have been – you know, kind of now been a little bit more elongated. Yes, we know it's only eight games for Wheeler and seven for Shifley, but it's a long time for first-line type players, right? So uh, I I would say Paul Maurice would be much more concerned if those chances were not coming. Um, But overall, I think they actually have played quite well, both of them, for the most part. So I don't think there's any concern, as long as you have production from those other guys. And the other part has... That we can turn shift our attention to because of the offensive production that's coming from the back end you don't need those guys to carry the mail and be reliant on results just coming from that line because of what you're getting from pionk and schmidt who are both at 10 points themselves uh right out of the gate through 13 games
1: yeah you know it, it's a great point ken um you know, the, the the offense from the blue line is something that just simply wasn't there very much in the last couple seasons. And, I mean, it's been a big, big difference. And, I mean, I think that speaks to the fact that this team is 7-3-3 three, and three without getting a lot of offensive production from the guys that really had been the guys that they've been counted on for the last few seasons. Paul Maurice had mentioned, and I was a big fan of it, the way that the lines had been over the last couple of weeks with a bit more of a balanced approach between lines one, two, and three. Um, you know he said after the game there was no way you're going to touch that Connor dubois Svechnikov line Um, but there was a change and we got to see the reuniting of uh, the schweilers line what did you make of that move to put ehlers up there and um and and what do you think was the catalyst to make the coach go that direction last night
3: yeah i like it i think it's it's a, a sort of mutual benefits kind of scenario there and also they saw the benefit with that other line i mean uh, we understand some of the analytics have not lined up perfectly for Cop and Lowry the last little bit. Even though Cop spent most of the time in the top six last year before kind of going back with with Lowry for the playoffs, but uh, we know that those guys can generate together. And now you have a you know you have uh, you know you have Harkins in that sort of quasi Brandon Tanev type of role. No, he's not the. Uh, you know, he doesn't have quite the kamikaze style or the shot blocking and nature, but he can use his speed to generate a little bit and get to the net. So, I mean, I think the other thing too, you, you talk about small and smart little plays. The play that Andrew Cop made to get the puck loose while bringing the defender to him to create the two-on-one for the backdoor tap-in, that's another... Yes, he gets an assist, but that is, a, that is just such a subtle and important play on that role so I think it was more it was twofold I think you wanted to kind of get those guys going together and then you also I think the speed element of Ehlers I really think is so important uh, for that other line and uh, because of the you know we know that the predictability of an Adam Lowry or a Kyle Connor being you know more straight line players is something that has worked well with Wheeler and Scheifele in the past I also think that Nikolai Ehlers his creativity can also help those guys even though you know, Maybe he's not as much of an up-and-down-the-boards type of guy, but uh, I really think there can be some mutual benefits for all of those guys. And to be quite honest, I was kind of wait, waiting for this opportunity for them to come. And with Paul Stastny being out of the lineup uh, you know, for at least one more game last night, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. We just are asked to play one on TV. It has <laughs> to be a bone bruise, right? So if we're talking about the ability to get the foot into the skate, uh, obviously when the x-ray comes back negative, it's not a broken foot. But there must be a bone bruise element that is, has that is kind of inhibited his ability to get on the ice comfortably. Uh, but because of that, you know those guys have fit well together. But I think that speed element, because the Jets are pushing the pace so much, Hus, and this goes back to our conversations before, when they spend less time in their own zone, it allows them to be getting up ice more. So I think having that explosive element with Ehlers playing with Shifley and Wheeler, I think that has a real great potential uh, to, to be even more dynamic. And there are two. I mean, COP. we know he can be used in any role, whether it's in a top six role or in a checking plus type of role. And it also will help Jansen Harkins. I mean, it goes back to what Paul Maurice talked about earlier this week. Shoot first. Take that shoot first mentality that has worked so well for Ehlers, for Kyle Connor, even I think to a degree Dubois this year. Harkins is a great shot. He just doesn't look for. He's, he needs to be a little bit more selfish, and that's a hard thing to do when you're a young player trying to establish yourself. We've talked about, about this a lot with Christian And It also applies to Jansen Harkins because he can skate and he has an offensive skill set that will allow him to kind of be a bit of a trigger man. I mean, we know Tan have had the 14 goals one year. He's not a natural goal scorer, even though he's off to another great start with the Kraken. Even Mason Appleton last year getting to double digits. You know, he's not necessarily a natural, pure finisher. Harkins gives him that element that, to me, is similar to Jack Rozovic, except Harkins probably getting his nose a little dirtier if he plays with those guys for an extended period of time. So I think it, there's a trickle-down effect there, Huss, but one that, I mean, we know we've been talking about top nine and balance. I don't think you lose that balance by putting that other trio together because of the offensive confidence that Cop is playing with and the fact that you have Harkins that has kind of a little bit of these untapped offensive potential, if you will.
1: Well, and and I'll kind of echo what you're saying about Harkins. I've really been impressed with the way he's been playing. And I think he's making the most of his opportunity to maybe play a bit higher in the fourth line. Um, and you know Remus was mentioning, I mean, if you do go back to Lowry and Cop, which has been such a reliable pair for Paul Maurice, um, you know, you're looking for a guy that can fit in. We saw Brandon Tanner before, Mason Appleton. And I would argue that at least in a small sample, these last couple of games, We've seen Jansen Harkins really kind of put his hand up that if they are going to go that direction, he's a pretty good option for Maurice to play with those guys, which leads me to ask you, if Paul Stastny comes back, say, tomorrow, where do you think he ends up uh, in the top 12? Yeah, I think
3: it actually, it will allow them to be a little bit more patient with Paul. I don't anticipate him playing tomorrow. Yes, of course, he could feel, you know. The power of healing, he may feel better and he may be in there. But I think the the you know the rush to get him back in would be a little bit less. Obviously, Stassi wants to play as often as he can. But I think it you know especially with the next game only being on Tuesday, having that extra day of rest before going out on the road for the back to back, I think that just allows the Jets to continue to be a little bit more patient. Again, I'm not. I'm not out here saying that Paul Stastny is going to come back and be a fourth line player. But you don't have to f- rush him back into the lineup. So whether that when he is back, you can play him at his 15 to 16 minutes of ice time and, and see where it goes from there, and see how you want to go with the pairings and the and the and the trios. But uh, I mean, again, I, I'm not anticipating Paul Stastny being anywhere but in the top nine, unless something you know out of the ordinary happens in the next couple of days where someone can you know put your stamp down you're not you're not you're not putting your stamp down after a three game sample but having those options is so important because we know that more injuries and COVID situations are probably going to transpire over the course of the year so it allows Paul Maurice to put that in the memory bank and say hey I can always go back to that but I, I would think that Harkins would move down to the fourth and then you'd, you would put Stastny potentially with with Kopp and Lowry. I think there's some potential for that line as well. And I will also say, and I've said this from the very beginning when you and I have discussed this, I still think there is a there is a time coming where Paul Stastny and Blake Wheeler are going to be playing together. Uh, we know that for the most part, Wheeler and Scheifele have been attached at the hip. But because of what they're looking for in terms of ice time and I think if you're looking for the most efficient and productive minutes from Wheeler, I think that maybe shaving a couple off would help on that production situation. It's not a matter of fitness or anything else. We know father time is undefeated. Uh, But I think that Wheeler can benefit from playing a little bit less. And if he's playing with Stassi, now you're, it's not load management, but it's a version of it, Huss, where you're probably helping have a little more tread on the tires for the stretch run in the playoffs. When you have a 35 year old captain and a, and a 36 year old forward, both of whom are, have been very productive. And Paul Stastny, eight points out of the gate has been very productive. And I would have no problem if he puts them back with Kopp and Ehlers, because that line, as Paul Maurice has said, has virtually won them games, but you have a lot of options to play with. And, that's probably, if you're on the Jets coaching staff, you're looking around and saying, hey, we're not just locked in on one thing. And if one line's not going, you have no chance. Well, no, you got three lines, but you also have, when you go to the blender, you're not guessing us. You know or you have an idea of what you're going to get when you go on a couple of spins and then it's back to, you know, it's, you don't have to go to the industrial spin anymore, right? Usually now it's like a little bit of the, it's a semi fine chop where you just got to give it the, the (laughs) one or two tilts to get the smoothie looking just right for the morning.
1: Kenny, Weeb with us here on uh, Winnipeg sports talk daily. Make sure you give him a follow at weebs world. Um, you know, we were talking about Harkins and where he fits in. um, I did want to ask you about Vasilin. I mean, he's not playing a ton right now, but yeah. I mean, is it just me? He seems to have a little bit more jump, and really
3: over the course of this homestand, I think he he seems to be playing with more confidence game after game. I think it helped him going down. I mean, again, sometimes it can be tough for a younger player if you get sent down the way that he did, because just with the way the scenario was with Connor Hellebuck's illness. Uh, they had, they basically had no other choice other than to waive players. When you have a waiver exempt guy, he goes down. But you know, he touched the puck a bit more. He's playing first line minutes down there, and all those other things. You know, got himself a goal where he used his shot and quick release. So, I agree, Hassan, I mean, even too before they made the switch to Ehlers, when Lowry was in the box during the major. He had one really solid shift with Shifley and Wheeler where he made a couple of nice smart plays, got a couple things going. And he also had a nice shift with the fourth line earlier in the game where he made a, a really nice behind the back pass I mean, Toninato, I I don't know if he was quite ready or not quite ready for it, or he he just hit it a little bit wide on the one-timer. But, I mean, that's a high-end play. And and it wasn't a guessing play. He knew he was there and had the confidence to make the play. And again, that's something that we haven't seen as often from Christian Veselinan during his smaller body of work with the Jets so far. So, again, I don't see him, even though the minutes haven't been there, I still see a player progressing, even though... He's playing a limited role so far, if you will. Uh, again, I think he's he's in a good place. But as we've been saying, I think this is another natural segue for, I think, when the Jets get to the situation where if you can put a guy with a little bit more of an offensive tilt to his game with a David Gustafson who still is a responsible player, I think now you stretch that top nine into a very deep top 12 and, and the bonus, I mean, we talked about the last time that the bonuses to playing, you know, 30 or 40 games at 20 minutes to build your reservoir, you know, but they also, you, the other part of the argument has, you don't want to wait until game 60, because now all of a sudden you're running out of runway to earn the trust of the coaching staff. So you're kind of really trying to balance the scales here where. You know, you want to build the reservoir, but you don't want to wait too long because all of a sudden now you're not comfortable leaning on him when you really need him. So uh, I'll be fascinated to watch the way that that turns. Uh, We know Riley Nash is, you know, he had his, uh, the Jets have been very disciplined, right? I mean, they only had the one penalty kill against the Blues and none against the Sharks. So, I mean, does he have enough time to restore some faith in the coaching staff before Paul Stastny's back? Because if not, well, again, now I would say, you got to be thinking about Gustafson again at some point here uh, in the stretch. But, I mean, again, yeah, the, the Jets have bought themselves some time because of the great start. So they can still leave Gustafson playing 20 minutes a game on the top line, playing in all situations, knowing that at some point, you want to give them a little bit of a test drive. And I think that if, if all of a sudden the Jets are looking at a fourth line of of Jansen Harkins, David Gustafson, and Christian Veselinan, I think you have enough responsibility on that unit But you also have two players on the wings that can both shoot the puck. And, you know, you have a speed element and component with Harkins. Uh, Veselainen, you know, he's not a burner, but he can get moving. And then you have Gustafsson, who's so smart and responsible and makes the people around him better. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how this sort of progresses as we move along here.
1: Yeah, well, there is still room on the Gus bus. Ken is driving (laughs) and uh, will be... Huss Talking is on the, about- on the
3: right seat, though. Like yeah, of, you're, you're like where the coaches sit. You're at the front of the bus, too, there. Stoler <laughs> exactly. Stoller sitting right behind
1: you, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, Jacob's going to join us a little later on. We'll talk about Perfetti, Gus, and uh, a number of uh, things going on with the Manitoba Moose. Hey, Darb Yor, thank you very much for the Super Chat, man. Really appreciate your support. That's awesome. Um, Kenny, uh, on the back end, we saw Nate Schmidt get his first goal. Uh, did it for Mom, who was in. Tremendous. Um, it, you know, you really see the how well liked this guy is. And I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I mean, I think jet fans fell in love with the guy the first time they heard him speak. Um, but man, nice to see him get a goal with the folks in town um, and a big one for the Winnipeg jets too, because I mean, they did not have a great start as well as they played as the
3: game went on last night. Yeah, it's true. And I love the story that you told about the whistle. I mean, you talk about players <laughs> that are always hyper focused and, you know, not paying attention to their surroundings and, uh, I mean, the two, the, he pulled the curtain back on two great things. First, when I first with the whistle, and like knowing that you know there could be fourteen thousand plus whistles, he knows the exact pitch and tone of Mama Bear's whistle. I absolutely <laughs> loved that factor. Whether it was you know the whistle that you hear when you're in a minor hockey rink, or when you're at the outdoor rink and it's time to come home for dinner, you know, get the whistle down. <laughs> I love that, and then the other part too about. I love how Nietzsche just a real person. Like, so when I asked him about the chemistry, you know, he, when he played with the Misfits and he saw what it was like for Riley Smith to play with Jonathan Marchessault and Will, William Carlson, he saw that chemistry develop in real time. And now he's seeing it again with Dubois and Connor. And I love the fact that he admitted that sometimes when you're on the ice with them, you're like, you're so impressed by the, you know, the little intricacies and reads that they're making that you got to kind of remind yourself, holy smokes, the puck might be coming to me for a one-timer. I better be ready. So I, I love the fact that he's kind of peeled back the curtain and he had a great answer with Paul Edmonds on his pregame show interview about the importance of Remembrance Day and, and all of those important things to us. And it's not just Schmidt that's changed the attitude. I think that the underrated we've also talked about this before but the underrated portion of brendan Dillon and what he's brought in a very similar vein it's no surprise to me that those two guys are driving to the rink together they have very similar personalities schmidt was kind of more a little bit heralded when it comes to that i mean you even know but that was more due to the fact of of the of the lineage right you have you know pete DeBoer had both of these guys at various points in terms of being culture carriers and culture creators and and things of that nature so i think that those two have really as we've said you know to borrow the phrase from claude noel they've helped raise the joy level and i think they've helped instill some of that joy to the ultra competitive and serious people on the other end of the spectrum who are also a very important part of the jets leadership group i think the rink is a more fun place to be i mean part of that is the covid restrictions being reduced a little bit but just having people that love the game around the rink you can cannot help but have that, you know, have that infectious personality rub off on the group as a whole. And I mean Andrew Cop talked about it as well. You know, it's even more important in January during the dog days when you're kind of slogging through the season and you're kinda, of, you know, the Olympic break is kind of on the horizon. But it, it helps No better time to start than the present. So if you can establish that culture, you know, in training camp and in the first 20 games of the year, it's only going to help you when sort of some of those rough and turbulent patches ultimately come down and surround the team. Hey, Kenny, I I did want to ask you about Svechnikov.
1: Um, Sure. I mean, we've been talking about, I mean, really is sort of found money. Still can't believe that he was on the market for a player of his age and just that spot, but whatever he's here and it's working out really well for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, like, How surprised are you with the season that he's having and how well he's fitting in right now on what basically is the Jets' top line as we speak?
3: Yeah, I'm not surprised that he has contributed to the Jets, but I mean, I did see him more in a fourth or yeah, I thought his perfect position was honestly on the right side with Adam Lowry, to be pr- quite frank. Uh, we knew of the chemistry from junior hockey with Pierre-Luc Dubois from their time in Cape Breton, and we knew there was a potential that they would play together at some point. But the fact of it becoming more of a driving force, I think is such a testament to what Svechnikov has been able to do. We know that injuries sort of derailed things for him in Detroit. Um, You know, sometimes a coach just sees you in one light and you never really get out of that box because partly due to injuries, partly because you don't get on a roll, but man, this guy is so appreciative. You've heard it from the very first interview. All he wants to talk about is working harder. He knows this is sort of—he's in a position where, even though he got the one-way deal or he got the deal, you're still always feeling as though you're on a tryout basis. And when that's an abnormal thing for a first-round draft pick and a you know relatively high first-round draft pick to go through so early in your career, so. I think that that's the mentality and the mindset has really helped him. But then being in a place where he's comfortable, and I think it's a two way street. I mean, Pierre Lou Dubois has said it on multiple platforms about how Svechnikov helped him you know learn to play the game the right way and how he learned to play with you know some european players and uh, how it's really Im- Im- helped his career and i think the comfort level it helps sveshnikov obviously going to do, going to a new organization has a built-in buddy system in place and it goes the other way too for dubois again we know he was accepted by his teammates last year but when you're not performing to the level that you want to be it's hard to to get that full acceptance if you will so i think both have really helped one another And I think that his dogged determination on pucks along the wall has really been something that's really impressed me. We knew all about the shot and about the skill, but there's this edge to his game. And we saw it right at the first day of the pro tryout when he got involved with Tyrell Bauer in one of these drills. And you're kind of like, first thing you notice, he's a big bodied guy. He's got this ridiculous shot, but he's got a super competitive streak that has really helped him. And it's really fit in well as that complimentary piece to Dubois and Connor. I talked about it last night uh, with Sean. So, you saw Kyle Connor put in a little bit of a Dubois move by carrying the player on his back and getting to the far post. But then you saw Dubois go with the shake and bake instead of going and putting the shoulder down, cutting to the middle. And Svechnikov has that sort of presence to him where he reminds Dubois that, hey, get physically involved and use your strength to out muscle people, right? So you have all these players kind of playing off the, the strengths of the other guys on the line and it's led to just this dominant force that has been so in, integral for the Jets when they've come out of the gate and as we've mentioned and not to harp on it but if i if you if you had told me that the jets would be 7-3 three, and 3 and that Blake Wheeler and Mark Schleife would have no goals the odds in the old cool bet line would not have been very high on that Huss, i don't think so that says a lot about those all those elements and the fact that Connor hellebuck did not start four of those games and that's the other thing i think is important here huss hellebuck against the blues yes he doesn't like the one through the wickets no we know that but two goals against against the blues one yesterday at a time when the sharks were you know they weren't Pouring it on, but he needed to be sharp. So that's two really good games in a row for Hellebuck, where I think it's very, he's building quiet confidence. I mean, the fact that we're not talking about Connor Hellebuck having to make 49 saves or 51 saves against the San Jose Sharks, that tells you another piece of the story about this emergence and growth in the Jets overall game.
1: Yeah, definitely agree with that. When do you think uh, Comrie gets in again? I mean, do you expect Connor tomorrow? And uh, I mean, two I do, huge yeah. games against the Edmonton Oilers next week, and a home and home on Tuesday and Thursday.
3: Yeah, I would think that the back to back scenario. I would see him playing in the back end against against the Vancouver Canucks. I think that's probably the next place we're going to see him. I, I you know, could you go to him on Tuesday? Maybe. But then for me, Huss, now you're looking at, you know, in a five day block between games for Hellebuck. And I think that's too much based on the time that he has missed. I expect to see him on, you know, in the Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday rotation. And then you see Comrie against the Vancouver Canucks. We know it's been a, a bit of a tough go right now for the Canucks. And, uh, you know, obviously they it was pretty lopsided against the Colorado Avalanche. But like Paul Murray said, you don't have to look for a place to hide Eric Comrie. Us. Whereas at the start of the year, you look at that back to back and think, well, you know, Canucks are probably one of those teams in the Pacific that are better than you think. Now you're going in there with complete confidence, knowing how well Comrie played during that stretch of stretch of game so far. So I think that's a perfect time to get him a breather. And it's a, it's an, it allows a little bit more runway as, as we're mentioning too, for Hellebuck to continue to build and get into more of a rhythm, you know, at a time where he's kind of trying to play catch up after missing those starts. Let's look ahead to tomorrow's game before we finish up, Kenny. And, um, you know, of
1: course, the Jets beat uh, L.A. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Eric Comrie getting the win. They were 1-5-1 and one after that yeah. game. They rattled off seven in a row. What the hell's going on
3: with the Kings? Well, I mean, uh, one of their uh, big ticket items at the uh, free agent bin and not in the bargain bin has been excellent for them. And the Jets are all too familiar with what type of player Phil Deneau can be yes. based on that swept series. Uh, last spring, summer, uh, he's been awesome, obviously. We know he's been great during the stretch of games, but it's not just a one-man show for them. I mean, they're doing this without so many defensemen on the, that have been, you know... N- banged up a little bit they're doing it with sort of uh you know tapping into the fountain of youth you got jonathan quick sharing the crease we thought that cal peterson was kind of taking over but not so fast you know quick is off to a good start kopitar has really benefited from deno being there and taking a lot of the hard defensive matchups it sort of freed up his offensive game and then you have this next group of young players we saw it against the Jets earlier, but you're also seeing a guy like that highlight reel goal from Kempi the other day in overtime, just absolutely outstanding. I always enjoyed the way, way that he played, but he's one of those guys that you're just kind of waiting for like the full breakout. You know, you, you kind of, to me, he's like Joel Armia, like four or five years ago where you'd see that end to end dangle against Dallas and then you'd be like, okay, so is this the new normal or... When's the next one going to come? You know, and and Kempy's kind of feeling like he's in that role now, where he's kind of emerging as a, as a true uh, talent that that can play in the top six comfortably and produce for you, and and not just be one of those guys who gives shows you the flashes of brilliance.
1: Uh, Kenny great stuff Uh, if you haven't already checked out last night's edition of Kenny and Rennie uh, maybe when uh, we finish up the marble race head on over make sure you've hit the subscribe button here on our channel and uh, do the same thing for any for Kenny and Rennie and not only will you get to hear some great discussion of last night's game Ah, uh, people will also be able to feast their eyes on maybe the most fashionable guest in Kenny and Rennie <laughs> history. How about Cosentino pulling out the Chris Jericho scarf look for a late night edition of the show last
3: night? Yeah, it was very impressive. And uh, as I told Sammy as our on our walk out of the rink, I said, "You'll you know if you come on with us on Saturday, don't be shocked to see a Sam's scarf." Uh, YouTube person show up like the Kenny's water bottle and the Sean's headband and the shark mifely. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm begging people. Don't let me down. I know somebody wants to create it, Please have that on for Saturday's show. Sam was great. Huss, as you know, uh such a such a knowledgeable guy. <laughs> There's in the terms picture.
1: Of... Remus has got it up. The full the scarf <laughs> that went, was but a showstopper. Awesome.
3: <laughs> Sam had some great insight both on the game. He'll be doing the color with Harn Ryan Singh on Saturday night's broadcast. But Sam also was able to tap into the prospects. And Sammy and I also went to the Winnipeg Ice Game together on Wednesday. And man, what a dominant effort. I mean, that's what a, a squad, We were, that's
1: a squad.
3: It, it They are impressive. And again, that was my first time uh, watching this team. Uh, you know, again, we'd like to see them more, but for me, it's my first time seeing a lot of those guys live. Matthew Savoy, absolutely dominant. Uh, Zach Benson, the youngster. He was absolutely fabulous. Lambos on the back end dynamic. Connor Geeky and other potential top, you know, ten to fifteen pick. Uh, he had a couple of incredible flashes. I think right now, Huss, you sometimes see with these young guys that are high prospects, they know there are scouts in the building every night. It seems like his game. He had some moments where he was the best player on the ice, but then there's some other times where. Just little things aren't going as smoothly as you would expect. This is a guy that has unbelievable hands. You know the puck bobbles one or two times, but uh, he's such a big, powerful guy, and and his engagement level can be so high. I mean, this is a, you sometimes forget Huss, that some of these guys are only seventeen years old, and Benson's still sixteen, I think. I know. So it's crazy to see the the and, and the maturity of a guy like Lambos, who we talked about it before the draft, I think he was very heavily on the Jets radar before Chaz Lucius fell to them. I mean, the Minnesota Wild are absolutely thrilled with getting him where they got him. He was so good. And to me, I think Lambos in the early stages of the season is really bolstering his candidacy for being on Canada's world junior team. Uh, that That's how well he's playing right now.
1: Hey, just so you know, you don't have to wait for Button and Cosentino to come in town to go to an ice game. I'm available. <laughs> so, you know, I'll give you hot takes all game. Uh, they're all definitely, right. joking aside, they are worth um, going out to check out, continuing this homestand, heading into this weekend. Uh, tomorrow, another post-game KNR, I guess six o'clock game. You guys will probably get in and around 10 uh, o'clock.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, ten, yeah, uh, nine forty-five or ten. In between that little window, we'll follow up the old legal curve boys. And uh, I was a little bit too premature uh, on the last show. Jim Houston, I believe, will be our Thursday guest coming up this week. We uh, we took the afternoon off for Remembrance Day there, but uh, next Thursday, looking at having the legendary broadcaster. Uh, joining us, and I know Hus. People have been pouring in with the tributes. Uh, also, have to give a shout out before I leave for the weekend for Bob Irving. Just oh like yeah. an absolute gem of a human being. Uh, as Bob quickly pointed out to me on my text message uh, exchange with him, he's not quite done yet. Uh, yeah. Let's not be putting the uh, the memorial signs up or anything else. This guy's got some games to co- to cover still. Uh, just one of the you know, as you know, Hus. One of the greatest human beings uh, around the sport. I didn't cover the Bombers often during my time at Post Media, but the times that I did, uh, Bob is so welcoming. He's such a fountain and wealth of knowledge. And, uh, you know, one of my last road trips at the Sun before I went to the Athletic uh, was on that trip to... Uh, Ontario, where they had the the, the double uh, the double dip there with Hamilton and Toronto. Uh, spending some time with him and, and Eddie Tate and Guelph was was just an absolutely uh, fabulous time and being able to have some meals and uh, break bread and maybe uh, you know raise the odd glass uh, glass of rouge uh, just has been a real treat uh, for me during my career. Uh, Bob's a guy who we grew up listening to, still on top of his game and and as many others have said, it's awesome to see Bob be able to go it on his own terms and. Uh, I think this will help him get out uh, to Breezy a little bit more. Huss. I mean, this is a guy who loves the game of golf, but hasn't been able to play a, as much later. We know he's going to be spending time with his, his family and grandkids and everything else, but uh, uh, hat tip to Bob and uh, hope those last uh, several games go extremely well for you uh, behind the microphone.
1: Very well said, my friend. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll look forward to uh, the show after the Kings game tomorrow night
3: right on us have a great weekend uh, to you and all all the all the viewers as always
1: good stuff there it is kenny weave at waves world on twitter and uh make sure you're tuning in after the ic post game show sean and ken will fire it up 9 45 10 o'clock tomorrow on their youtube channel over at kenny and Rennie. all right we've got lots to come we will have a marble race at the end of the program remus might even crack a couple packs uh, but we're going to talk moose coming up with Jacob Stoller. Uh, before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. Great supporters of curling here in Manitoba, coast to coast in the country, and proud sponsors of Mike McEwen's team, as well as the Queen, Jennifer Jones. Two of the Manitoba teams fighting to represent Canada at the Olympics. Hard to believe we are a week away from the festivities getting going on in uh, in Saskatoon And I think uh, we might do a little WST road trip and do some shows from Saskatoon, not next week, but the following week. So really looking forward to that. Uh, Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new. Is it Princess Auto? See them at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7 at princessauto.com. Uh, Boston Pizza's scoreboard tonight is uh, somewhat interesting. We've got a couple big games in the Canadian Football League, Ticats-Argos, Calgary, and BC. And as far as the uh, NHL goes tonight, Edmonton at Buffalo, Philly at Carolina, Washington at Columbus, Calgary, Toronto, Arizona, and Chicago. You can always watch the big game at Boston Pizza, enjoy some great BP Wings pizza and ice-cold schooners. And if you want to stay home for the game tonight, uh, you know, just or hit them up, bostonpizza.com for home delivery. And uh, I'll tell you what it goes well with the pizza. Maybe a little bit of ice cream. Of course, the Nick and Nicky DQ group with four locations in Winnipeg serving up those incredible ice cream treats, blizzards, and of course, cakes, which you can order at DQ Manitoba. Pop by and see them at any of the four locations the DQ out in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and now open year round, the Dairy Queen on St. Anne's. All right, everyone. Uh, we've got some business to take care of marble race at the end. Make sure if you haven't already hit that red subscribe button. And please, if you would hit the thumbs up for the episode, uh, as long as you're subscribed, you're eligible to win uh Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie and a Canadian club. I love rye package. Of course, CC great sponsors of the bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. We will do that after we speak with Jacob Stoller to uh, find out a little bit more on the Manitoba Moose. Crazy game on Wednesday night, 61 shots, but still had to get it done in overtime. Jacob's got a great piece on Cole Perfetti at Full Press Hockey, and we caught up with him a little bit earlier for the latest on the
4: Manitoba Moose.
1: Jacob, great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's going on?
4: Not too much, guys. How about you? It's great to be here.
1: It's uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, you know the you know, obviously there's a lot going on right now. We're focusing on the Winnipeg Jets. There's a lot of hockey. We've got the uh, Winnipeg Ice, the number one team in the Canadian Hockey League, and uh, of course a lot of intrigue as to this Manitoba Moose squad overall. Hey Before we get to the piece on Perfetti and the game on Wednesday. Um, you know, you've been covering this team and following them for a long time. Just for folks that haven't seen this club, give us a quick um, your perspective on the talent on this team, the roster this season, as opposed to you know maybe some lean years the last couple seasons since they came back to Winnipeg.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt this is the best team you know they've ever had in the HL. Actually, sorry, shouldn't say that. St. John's, I, I know they had some good runs there, but in terms of like the actual you know the new Moose 2.0, it's the best team uh they've had by far and it's funny because a lot of the guys are returning from last year which you know let's call a spade a spade the quality the, ta- the the quality of talent was diluted a bit so you know with that you would think oh returning group maybe they'll be a bit behind the eight ball and whatnot but you know zinger went shopping this offseason he brought in some really quality um veterans and guys to surround the forward group and then you know just kind of the way that it's turned out with the prospects and and with you know how old they each are, their back end is like all under 24-year-old studs, really. Um, and they're mobile, they're you know, they're extremely skilled, they're they're you know highly praised within the organization. And then as I said there, you're pairing like talented, um, I like to call them quad A players, right? So kind of like in between the NHL and HL bubble guys, which are huge. Um, and you got like Mikey Isamont who's come out, AC Mont who's come out and, you know, it's been like their leading goal scorer kind of out of the blue. Um, you got Luke Johnson who's injured, but a very good player at, at this level, uh, Austin Pagansky. And so kind of what's happened here is they've built a really solid foundation. And then even, you know, in between the, the, the pipes, you know, you got Burden who people love to talk about and, and Arvid Holm, a guy who, you know, I didn't really know much about him at all before, but he played in the SHL and he was a good goalie too. And then, I know this doesn't really matter, you know, to anyone, but their third string goalie Philippe Desorais, I think it is. Sorry if I botched the pronunciation. He's a quality goaltender too, and and why that's important is in past years, it'd be yeah, there'd be Burn and Comrie, but sometimes it'd be Burn and then a guy in a PTO, and then you're playing Burn every night. That's hard with three and three. So, you know, just in general, they're built really well from top to bottom, and that's important for like a Perfetti, a Gustafson, a Hainola, to be there and not be on a team like you saw in years past where, you know, of course it worked out well for Kyle Connor, but um, you know, the Chase of Leos of Brennan Lemuse, the sort of second tier guys back in the day, they weren't playing on that good of teams, right? So you wonder, you know, would things have been better and whatnot, but uh, just the way they're positioned now, it, it's a really good Kind of runway for all their prospects to get. Time.
1: Well, and, and and one of the other things that's unique this year, as opposed to last year, for a player like Perfetti that got a chance to play in the American Hockey League and get his feet wet as a professional, is the bottom line right now is without these NHL taxi squads, the quality of talent in the American Hockey League significantly better this year than it was last
4: season. Totally, like so, two guys I mentioned, are like Luke Johnson, Austin Pagatsky, those were top taxi squad guys, and if you think about it, it's kind of like last year they wiped out the first kind of like your best players at each position for defense and goalie. So it's, it's a, it was a lot of a a much different year and it would have been a disaster if they kind of went with the same group again. And I think obviously they knew that with, with the way they kind of constructed the roster, but it's interesting too, because they also, they signed a lot of those guys they had last year that didn't make the roster, but they have them on ECHL or even HL deals, but they don't have an affiliate this year, but they've got them in with the growlers. Um, you know, various other teams, and they just have a lot of insurance, right? Because, you know, in this league, like you could get your best player called up in the middle of it, you get an injury or two, and then you're you're going from the best in the league to the worst. And, you know, you saw it in like 2018, right? When like Sammy Niku won an HL player, the uh, defense of the year, Rosnovic was great. You know, they were first in the league in January, I believe. And then it kind of just deflated because Rosnovic got recalled. They had a couple of injuries. Some guys were banged up. And then before you know it, it's like this team's, limping into the playoffs so again you know let's they'll take a developed player over going around two three or four but you know i think there's a further emphasis on having those sort of long playoff runs with with prospects and developing that way so i think it's something that they were cognizant of and they definitely prepared for it
1: Uh, Let's get to your piece uh, in full press hockey this week on Cole Perfetti. Uh, Everyone was talking about Perfetti at the beginning of the season, had a strong camp, made the opening day roster. But I think anyone that knows this organization felt that the likely destination at some point would be the Manitoba Moose. He's now been there for a few weeks at a pretty good start. You've been following him very closely. You've talked about his role right now and what the organization is trying to do for him and his development, um, tell us about what you've seen from Perfetti in his second run in the American Hockey League against much better competition as a top line player.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, and Cole said this a couple of times when I when I've interviewed him, and of course he's always, um, you know, made note that of course with COVID, it's it's you never want to say the good came out of it. A lot of people were affected, but you could ask for a better last sort of ten months for Cole Perfetti, right? So he comes in the AHL for an environment guys that are just drafted don't play in the HL next year unless you're European, right? Because there's that NHL-CHL agreement that if all things considered, he wouldn't even be actually AHL eligible this year, right? It's only because he played however many games they made an accommodation for players like that and whatever. So, you know, he comes in and he, like he, for example, first game he scored his first goal. And this is a guy that, you know, looked like, you know, he didn't want to celebrate or whatever I asked him. He's like, yeah, I don't think the guys would take well to be grabbing ice and stuff. Like he just kind of seemed timid. He kind of seemed like he even felt like he wasn't supposed to be there. Um, And then, you know, as time went on, kind of the 15 game mark, like a flip just switched, right? And he kind of realized, I can be, you know, the guy here. I can play at this level. And, you know, a lot of people, I think it's kind of becoming the new trend in hockey Twitter and just our sport that this idea that, of course, the game is getting younger, and that is true. But the idea that you could just throw in these, like, 18, 19 guys at NHL games. And they'll just kind of figure it out. It's like, no, let's be real here. There's very few that get to do that because of reason. And conditioning is a big part of it. And Cole really had to, you know, get used to the pro game. But as I said, the 15 game mark last year, he just, you know, he was a different player. Then he goes to the worlds, the world championships. He played so well there. You got an invite there. another, unique experience, right? Another different type of talent pool like this, like last year's AHL. Yeah, one that then, would have
1: never been on the table for him. I mean no, it's a unique not. situation provided a unique opportunity and he made exactly. the most of it.
4: A hundred percent. And then you know, as I'm sure a lot of this uh you know viewers and listeners saw him in preseason, he came out and he looked like he was you know fighting for a spot. He made the opening night roster. And I think what you're seeing with Perfetti now and what the Jets are really emphasizing is what they have done all along. and McConnor, all these guys, they're gonna preach patience. That's not changing. I know that's frustrating to some people. But, you know, the way I see it, having Perfetti be the guy with the moose, whether that's on the first unit power play, whether that's on the first line left wing or at center. Um, I know they want to play him at center, but he's playing well with Gustafson right now. You know, that experience is a lot, you know, more valuable than playing 12 minutes a night, kind of in the middle six or whatever. Um, because you need that mileage, right? Like you need that prolonged period of being successful at the lower levels. You know, Carter Verhege, for example, a guy that came out of nowhere, um, Mike Kelly of NHL Network, I was listening to this bit, and he, before last year, predicted he would make that jump. And one of the reasons he said was he's a guy that not only has played well in small amounts of ice time at the NHL level or the HL, but he has a history of being the guy at lower levels. And I've always thought about that to be really interesting. And like, I think it's, great to see Profetti playing the way he is now you know 6.8 games he's you know 66% coursey i know that doesn't maybe sound like that crazy to some that don't know but like that's really good and even though the moose are outscoring their opponents out shooting that's great um and that doesn't mean that you should call for him to be called up i think that that's just a sign things are going well right and he'll hopefully go on a playoff run and and whatnot but like this guy's a player this guy's gonna be a great player actually and i think he's he's gonna be really exciting for jets fans
1: yeah and and, and i mean this time and we've seen it time and time again uh while you know you're right patience might not be a virtue of a large majority of hockey fans right now um you know we've seen time after time this experience be so valuable for young players and i mean part of it that you touched on in the piece i thought that was really interesting uh in talking to cole was you know, what the Winnipeg Jets were hoping that he would get out of this time. And, you know, you spoke to him and he mentioned a conversation with Paul Maurice before he went back to the Moose on being able to play quickly, play fast and create extra space in and around the wall. And, uh, and that could be key, especially potentially even this season, depending on what happens with the big club. Whether there might be a spot where they need him, maybe not at center where he projects to be long term, but playing more in the short term as a winger with high skilled players
4: yeah, like i I asked Mark Morrison, and I think it's in the yes, yeah, in the piece where they want him to play get those reps at center, and they're not going to really try to play him in the wing, but I think as you're seeing now, with the last couple of games he's played with Gustafsson, they're going to put him everywhere and, and the development path that I would pair to is like kind of like Rozovik um because he it, it was clear he was going to have to start as a winger in the NHL. Now he's a center, obviously with Columbus, but Pascal Vincent, the old coach would always say like, we want to give him reps everywhere kind of thing. And yes, now with Mark Morrison, but the whole organization. So it's an organizational thing. It doesn't really matter who the age of head coaches or one piece of the puzzle, but it's a whole operation. And you know, that's going to be huge for him. Cause let's say, let's say Nikolai Evers gets injured tomorrow, or actually, I think he got injured last game. Uh, but <laughs> like, let's say someone gets injured long-term Um Cole Perfetti's who you want to bring up, right? And if you're going to bring him up, you need him to be equipped with those skills to be on the wall in the NHL, to be in those battles, to 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 get not only win the battle but get the playoff off the wall and kind of get the team going forward. That's not easy. That doesn't just happen, right? And so I think that that's why you're seeing a lot more reps on the wing. And the guy is such a sponge. That's probably overused in hockey, but he just he's such a like he's soon in the game and he's really big on the details and I think even more time with the moose like he'll be ready for when he gets that call. Uh let's
1: talk about um in addition to Perfetti a couple of the other players and you know we mentioned kind of what they're trying to get with Perfetti right now. I would argue that they've already done that with David Gustafson and you know we've talked about it. I'm still a little surprised that he didn't get a little bit more of a look uh, maybe up in the lineup and in some more preseason games. Um but he seems to be has taken off from where he was last year as the Moose player and continued his growth and maybe adding a bit more offense as well. Um you know watching all of these games right now. I mean give us a, a little bit of an update on Gus and um is he and should he be the next guy that gets a call from the Winnipeg Jets if if uh, if it's needed.
4: Well, he's the most he's probably the most polished I think his all-around game. You've seen it where he, you know, he made cat uh, made the Jets roster in what was it? 2019-20. So he was like a draft year plus one I think and came out was able to play in the bottom six which like that's not easy like that's not like it's the NHL yeah hockey league but you're right and like the thing too is like Paul Maurice especially like he's of all people it's not going to put a 19 year old there if he's not more than ready and capable he's a beast in the draws the NHL all those little components of his game he's got down But I think what people are starting to realize is there could be more here with David Gustafson than maybe initially thought. I mean, he's a second-round pick, right? And I think with having the NHL now, you know, last year, speaking of the diluted talent pool, he was in the NHL for a bit. But also before, he was in second-tier Sweden um, playing. So he hasn't really got that prolonged period in the NHL. But, I mean, for my money, I I think he he should be on the team now. I, I don't know too much. Uh, I I don't know how many how much more he can get here other than, you know, developing the offensive game. Um, But I don't know. I mean, like, I think you've seen it with guys like Andrew, uh, sorry, Adam Lowry, right, where he's moved up at some points and he's able to produce offense. I think those guys kind of can figure it out eventually. But. I think Gus would make the Jets better now if he was in the lineup in some capacity. Well,
1: I mean, the penalty kill's been an issue, and uh, you uh, mentioned like, draws. I mean, that is certainly something that Gustafson brings to the table, and I think a lot of people are excited to see what he might do when he gets there. Uh, there's a couple other players I want to ask. First off, this game on Wednesday night, 61 shots, and Leon Gavonka, Gavanka, who had the winner, had 11 of them. I mean, what the hell was going on? And uh, Gavonka's not a guy that a lot of people talk about. They will be when we get to Olympic time. Uh, but fill us in on Wednesday night's game and, uh, you know, this young German that um putting a lot of pucks at the net, to say the least.
4: Yeah, I don't know what was in his cornflakes before the game, but uh, he was firing all cylinders. And and for someone like Leon, um, I think last year, like so he was the like, I think it was 19. Yeah, 1920. So two years ago, technically, if we count last season, um, he was the Moose's. Like best defenseman, you know, quarterback, the power play, and they weren't a great team, but you could tell he had skills with the puck. But he was really, like, he was really raw, and there was even instances where they scratched him on the back end of a back to back because he, in the second game, so back to backs, was not very good, like noticeably. So he's now a more established pro, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't foresee him being an NHL player for the Jets um, full time in the near future, or maybe ever, because the way things stack up, but. Great. You know, he can move the puck. He plays all of Lily Um, Good upside. You know, he's he's someone that the Declan Chisholms, the Dylan Samberg, not Dylan Samberg, the Declan Chisholms, you know, Simon Lundmark as well. They're kind of fighting, you know, to be in the bottom 5 6D of his team because they're so stacked. So it was his night last night, but it kind of like seems like every night one guy's excelling and then Hainola, who's. Amazing every single well, night.
1: Well, let's get to Vili right now. I mean, that's a, a a guy that really, as much of anything, is a victim of circumstance. I mean, we knew what the needs for the Winnipeg Jets were. Um, you know, when you acquire Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt and add ten million to your cap, there's some ramifications at the NHL level. But there's also ramifications for players like Sandberg and Hanila, meaning there wasn't really that spot for them just to walk right into. How's he handled it, and how's he been playing uh, early this season in the American League?
4: I think he's handled it well. Um, I I don't know if anyone would blame him for, you know, not handling well or being or being kind of frustrated by it. Um, again, you know, I only see so much. I I remember though, Kyle Connor, like his first year when he scored for like thirty goals. That was like his first full year, I I think. But anyway, played the
1: first four games, then he came, got plopped on the top line, and uh, we never saw him again in the AHL.
4: When he was sent was sent down Mm -hmm. that time, right before those first couple games. He was pissed because you know he he felt like you know I should be there, and then worked his butt and got there but he kind of showed i am the best in this league and you need to be in the nhl here's the thing though now this is a billy who's doing just that seems to have a more positive outlook but like there's no room for him so i think it'll be interesting to see as time goes on if you know i don't i don't want to look too beyond but say next year or the year after if it's still like you got to make a move at some point right like even now like it's great to have the decor they have the AHL. like they're suppressing them they let the least amount of scoring chances of any team in the HL because they just boom, boom, move it out of the puck, like move it out of the zone right away. Um, But with Billy, like this guy's playing 25 minutes in the HL and he's the best guy on the ice every time he steps out there. Like Huss, I mean it. Like he's not only is he able to move the puck, but like the notion, like I talked to him and he was saying like, I, you know, it's about getting minutes, but I think I have to work my defensive game. I don't know if you really think that. I think he doesn't want to sound like, you know, there's only minutes kind of blocking him but he's a good defensive player like i put up a clip of, of him and some data and there's like him like defending curtis douglas who's six foot nine in the marlies takes away the body plays the gap patrol really good the moose get the puck right after i think the idea that he needs to work on his defensive game is kind of like a social contract because he's smaller but this guy could play in the nhl right now and you're right it's, it's a matter of matter of circumstance and Got nine points in nine games. He gets shots through. Takes like five shot attempts a game. He's like, I think he'll be their all star bid, actually, for the Moose. If I had to make a prediction, I think it'll be him. And yeah, I, listen, the bright side, Jets fans. If there's an injury, there's lots of options. Both, yeah, both I,
1: no, a hundred percent, and things could change very quickly. And totally. for a player like Hanlon, when he does get that next opportunity and actually gets into lineup. Um, The job will be to play so well that you give them a the problem. They just feel that they cannot send you down. Jacob Stoller is with us from uh, full press hockey covering the Manitoba Moose in the American hockey league. Before we go, uh, I want to talk about goalies. Uh, we've all seen a million great highlights of Mikhail burden, some hilarious sound bites. I mean, for someone covering the team, he's sort of a dream come true um, and he's flashy and people want to see that. But, how about stopping the puck? Uh, where are things right now for goaltending? And maybe tell us about Holm as well, who is uh, just getting his feet wet in the American Hockey League right now. It's very different without having Eric Comrie around.
4: Yeah, things aren't great goaltending-wise, to be honest. So, you know, the Moose are, number one, expected goals. Um, so that kind of measures the quality of, of chances they're generating. Um, they're suppressing scoring chances at even strength, mind you. Um, but the problem is, you know, as you saw, like, last night, like, they put up 60 shots and they weren't blowing out the opposition. They had to Not win an OT.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, he's letting up a lot of pizzas. I don't know if that's even the turn. I think it's more of a turnover term. But, you know, Burden is – is so his scoring chance 8%. That's, like, the home plate. It's the worst in the HL right now. Now, it's early. I don't want to just, like, harp on the guy. But you're kind of seeing, like, you know, a lot of people thought, and myself included, I'll be honest, that Comrie – was not going to be capable of NHL an backup. He's proved me and a lot of people wrong. But the people that were kind of saying Burden should be over there are really, really ill-informed. Great highlights, great quote, likes to play the puck, but decision-making is off. You know, he's letting goals in he shouldn't be letting in. He's really seeming out of it. You know, I thought this year he'd have a solid year because he should be playing every night back to back So they brought another goalie in Holm who has been really solid. But... Burden just seems off. Maybe it's because there's less shots coming in. I know a lot of goalies like to have a lot more action and kind of feed off of that. But, you know, it's hard to make excuses when he's just really letting up some some bad goals. So I think there's a couple of things. There's the goalie part, but also he needs to stop playing the puck. I know, guys, like, listen, I love when I get retweets and likes and stuff on Twitter, right? I mean, it's (laughs) great for my self-esteem, and he helps a (laughs) lot with that. But, like, it's just ridiculous at this point because... You've got guys like Declan Chisholm. You've got Heinolis. Like, Stamberg will be there soon. Like, that can move the puck and do it well. It worked in 2019-20 when you had a team that, like, their defense was a pile of rocks. It wasn't very good. So it worked. But now it's like, it seems like he's unable to step away from that. And I thought even at the time, and I asked in interviews, coaches, Morrison and Vincent, about can he do this at the next level? They said yes. And I think we have to centralize. He can't even do this at this level now right? Like it, it, it's a detriment to the team. So I think for burden, I don't know what's going on. Something's going on. Maybe personally, I don't even know, but he's, does not seem like his normal self. He's nowhere near there. And then home who came in and played a couple of games. He, he looks calm, co- composed. I think he's going to be a really good goalie. He's athletic. Um, he's looked good, but I think, uh, you know, the hopes of Mikhail burden coming in and fricking dropping three guys and, Scoring from the point and like maybe Murray's putting on the power play are a little <laughs> ill-advised um and again like I'd love to see it but I think you know there they're, it's easy to like make up a lot of circumstance with goalies and like certain things but you have to stop the puck and especially when you're getting you know very few chances and Burden's not doing that so it'll be interesting to see what happens but finally here he's not an NHL option right now I'll put it that way
1: yeah, first things first. Worry about stopping the puck before you're making the highlight reels by deking out opposing forwards and whatnot and making great headman passes. Jacob, right. this has been a whole lot of fun. Um at JL Staller on Twitter and uh full press hockey. Uh keep up the great work and we'll do this again soon. Talking moose in the American Hockey League.
4: For sure. Thanks, us Thanks, Remus. All right, good stuff. Thanks again to
1: Jacob Stoller for joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can follow him on Twitter at JL Stoller, and you can check out his work covering the American Hockey League at Full Press Hockey. All right, the Marble Race is officially open, everyone. If you haven't already and you'd like to get in on it, um hit exclamation mark marbles in the chat and make sure you have pressed the red subscribe button because you have to be subscribed to be a winner on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got two prizes today. First place will win another Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club co-branded hoodie. And second prize will be an I Love Rye package, including a bottle of the delicious Canadian Club. Big thanks to CC for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can pick it up at IG Field as the official sponsor of the Bombers. And of course, you can get Canadian Club at your local Manitoba liquor mart. So uh, we'll give you just a couple minutes to get your entry in! exclamation mark Marbles! And uh, then we'll get it going to finish up another great week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, By the way, if you missed it earlier, hit my Twitter account at Hustlerama. I tweeted out maybe the best radio bit around. Our good friend Dustin Nielsen fired up the tales of the North today. Not for the Oilers, not for hockey. But for the game tonight, Canada-Costa Rica, a crowd pushing 50,000 at Commonwealth Stadium as Canada looks to book their ticket to the World Cup for the first time in over three decades. That is going to be phenomenal. We'll talk about it on Monday show for sure and get ready for the big Canada-Mexico game on Tuesday. I cannot wait. That's what uh, I'm doing tonight, as well as keeping an eye on uh, some great CFL action. Speaking of CFL, shout out to everyone that entered the DraftKings contest. That's full. There is still a few spots left for the NFL contest coming up on Sunday. All right, Remo, while we uh, finish and give everyone a couple minutes to uh, just get in the marble race, you want to crack a pack or what?
2: Yeah, I got some packs I can open. I got a Tim Hortons pack and I got a upper deck. I don't know, upper deck, whatever it is. Last year's upper deck. So let me just fire it up real quick. And it's going to work this time. I'm not going to have to do any stupid workarounds. So How are your hands? Good good manicure uh, this week? A lot of people wondering about that. I think that they're good. How about oh, this? How about this for a pack to a crack? Look at that, folks. What's that? What's that?
1: Tops 1991 NFL football.
2: Let's see what we got here. While you get yours together, yeah, you get, you do yours, and I'll get set up here. And see the it's green a- screen. the uh, The pack looks like it's invisible.
1: I don't have a great I don't have a great uh, pack camera opening like Remus does, but uh, here we go. Okay, what do we got? We got James Brooks, hundred yard rusher. Interesting. Uh-hoo. James Hasty, Hasty, good cornerback back in the day. New York Jets. Bane Gash, Tommy Barnhart. Oh, Punter. Not enough p- cards for punters anymore. Noted it to the punting union. Chip Low Miller, a kicker. Oh, Remus, Rodney Pete. Rodney Pete? Ro- Rodney Pete was amazing in tech mobile. That's back Holly in the day.
2: Robinson's Pete's husband. Exactly,
1: exactly. Sammy Smith. Here's a neat one. The Bills. It's just right goes for a block. What? Interesting. Vikings Viking fans. Remember Wade Wilson? <laughs> hey, one of the best off, one of the best linemen ever, certainly for Cincinnati, Tim Crumrie. A horrible leg injury. I think that ended his career. Sean Lee. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The Nigerian nightmare. Christian Okoya. Oh, that's Akoya, worth it. That's what brought thought uh James Brooks, back when the Bengals were doing it. Tori Epps, Steve Tasker and uh and jeff bostick there you go there's a little trip down memory lane with the pack of 1991 nfl football why don't you crack that tim hortons and then we'll uh and
2: then we'll uh finish it up with the uh, with the marbles sure one second i'm just uh fixing a thing and then we'll be good to go okay last we're... call for marbles everybody yeah. if you
1: haven't gotten in if you're just popping in exclamation mark marbles as soon as remus is done cracking his tim hortons pack entries will be closed and we'll get it fired up and uh, give away some great stuff, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. All right, we got the Crack Pack Cam here. The
2: crack, yeah, the Crack Pack Cam. Okay, let's see. Excellent. We, we did get a, uh, was it, what was the thing? A called? Monahan Hockey Hero last time. Yeah, Mon. That was the poll. So we'll see if we get one here. Oh, what's this, Darnell Nurse? All right, Darnell Nurse. We also have oh, a bad. very nice cards. I yeah, can see my fingers. Oh, a Brock Besser. Rock Besser, gold etching. Oh, yes. And uh, Kevin Hayes, former Jet. Hayes. There we go. Former Jet. And by the way,
1: shout out to Zach Facali, who got his first NHL win in his first start and got a shutout last night. Been a long, long run for the former member of Team Canada's junior team to get to the National Hockey League. And as we officially close the entries for the marble race... Uh, Rima, we do have some breaking news. Former Winnipeg Jet Tucker Pullman suspended just two games. I thought he, frankly, got off a little uh, lightly for that um, hatchet job he did on a member of the Avalanche
2: last night in the uh, Canucks 7-1 loss to Colorado. He's so lucky to only get two games, I feel like. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear the intent there, what he was trying to do. Um, You know, he got hit, spun around. Swiped a stick at a guy's head. Uh, apparently that's only worth two games. Uh, hustler. I don't. I don't, got I don't, off a little. Got off a little lucky. I think old uh, or old pal Tucker yeah, Pullman. Pretty close to, to uh Happy Gilmore, like trying to take your skate off and stab someone. Like he's approaching <laughs> that territory.
1: Things not going too well. Uh, for the Canucks at all right now. I'm just looking over at the uh, Pacific Division. Oh, there they are, five, seven, and two ahead of only the Seattle Kraken, and of course it's the Kings that are here Saturday night to take on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, When we last saw the Kings, the Jets had beat them and the to send them to 1-5-1 and one on the season. Since then, they've run off seven wins in a row, including a perfect run on this Canadian road trip with wins in Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Jets will look to uh, end that string tomorrow and get another win on home ice. And then, of course, next week, Tuesday in Winnipeg, Thursday in Edmonton, home-and-home home series between the Jets and Oilers for the first time since the sweep
2: in the first round last year all right Remo how are we looking for the marbles yeah we're looking uh we're looking good I'm just getting it loaded up here um one second here we can I'll go to this screen I got to pick the correct track but we are good to go I've got all names we've got 110 in 110 right on in good luck to everybody thank you all make sure you're subscribed
1: uh, hit that red subscribe button and if you wouldn't mind, we've got over 300 people in here. Let's see if we can get to 200 likes. That would be nice. If you haven't hit that thumbs up, please do.
2: Certainly helps us spread the channel. What's the what's the track today, Kamish? Uh, let's pull it up and we'll take a look. Hold on. I'm bringing it up in a second. We will figure this out. What do I got to do? Game capture? Sorry. there all right are you ready i am mar- ready for the marbles i think am everyone i everyone else is ready is that the real question am i ready yeah, yeah.
3: precisely
2: <laughs> all right here we go marbles uh i don't know if there's any like winter theme tracks or anything we got uh frozen oh there's one called frozen i it's three minutes. This could be a long one, this frozen that, track. That would be appropriate. Well, let's okay. see what happens. Let's just do it. We got 110 people in the names. Just to confirm, 110, 110 entered. So everyone is in. We have had times where where I don't put everyone in, and someone's got left out, and people have gotten left out, and that was my mistake. But, you know, we've done this for a while. So this is going to be a lengthy race so you're gonna, You're going to have to get your play-by-play skills in order.
1: Right on. Well, I'm ready to do it. I've got another pack here to crack while we see what happens going on. These are the score, score 91 NFL cards. I'll let you know if there's anything good in the meantime. But uh, this is Frozen. There's 110 in. First place gets a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie that we did up with our friends at Canadian Club. Second place, the I Love Rye package, including some delicious Canadian club whiskey. All right, without further ado, let's finish off this weekend style with the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Let's do this.
2: All right, going down the plinko board. They are off, ladies and gents. So this is a lengthy one. By
1: the way, I see less is in their less. I do have your. Uh, I'm going to have to make a trip downtown to drop that off for you. We'll uh, hook up. Hit me up with the DM on the weekend. I'll try and uh, pop that uh, pop that by for you. Uh, all right, uh, T-Kona Polly's in there. Manny Fran, uh, Todd Fertanny up in the top three right now, looking pretty good. Oh, he's in the uh, in first place, I do believe. Uh, oh no, that's not Drew Doughty, that's Drew Douglas. Uh, I see going yeah. on right now. This is quite the uh, this is quite the course right now. This is frozen, you said, Reem. Yeah, this I guess is it's frozen. snowing as we uh, we go. A very very appropriate track. For us to finish up this week we started off with gorgeous weather and now um well winter has arrived in winnipeg gonna be a bit nicer tonight in edmonton i think they're looking at a high of about four um four degrees celsius which should be relatively nice for canada uh that being said i think i don't think the costa ricans are uh, ready for fifty thousand people supporting canada nice to actually have a real home field advantage for a change and of course some very interesting Very interesting weather conditions that uh, I don't think the Costa Ricans will have ever seen before. Canada and Mexico uh, is the other matchup. That is going to be on Tuesday night, same night as the Jets and Edmonton Oilers are playing here in Winnipeg. All right, who we got? Lots of back and forth. The leader's changing all the time. Brad Woods is up there. Michael Sofer (laughs) Schmidt-faced. Great name there, folks uh doug phil jerry baluda rob mahoney rob's out in front right now it looks like troy Cosen's in the mix it's a very cool track i don't think we've had any eliminations yet have we remus
2: i haven't seen any this is everyone's staying on track there are some speed up spots i see people going through the uh the pegs there on the right but uh i think we still got a bit of a ways to go this is a marathon not a sprint that, that is is uh, that that is exactly
1: right. As we said right now, with Jason Jets in the mix, Mike Cochrane, uh, One Bird. It's uh, it's all over the place. Troy Cozen though, looks like he's uh, in a front. Rob Mahoney's in there. Theo Seegers. Uh, really, anyone's race right now as we continue through onto the second half of the Frozen. Oh, getting into the Snowflake. Let's see what Rob Mahoney can do. Dave Shore's in there. Um, but again, there's it, it's hard to really tell who's first because there's two different routes going uh, going to the finish line right now. Uh, Leanne, Gus Godfrey. What up, Gus? Frosty Winnipeg. Kabilis making a run. Wouldn't that be something? One of our uh, all-time most loyal listeners, Jeff Kabilis. He'd be a fan favorite oh, if he was able to pull right. it off. Uh, We're entering pull off the, uh,
2: the final stretch here, Hustler. It's Schickster here we go folks shikster a former winner i do believe uh in the past uh, he we got, got daniel hanford he got pegged up but there's rob mahoney as well he we could have a race here first and second
1: and it is all over our winner is daniel heifer daniel congratulations and rob mahoney way to go you are in second schickster third although schickster is a former winner we can't feel too badly for schickster uh so daniel great work we've got a hoodie for you send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com um, and let us know what your size is hopefully we've got one for you and rob mahoney uh you can hit me up on twitter or send an email Sportstalk at gmail.com and uh, we'll make sure you can pop by and pick up your i love rye package at some point very soon excellent marble race today i see we're seeing just the final few folks pop in who will be last i guess we didn't set a a, a booby prize for whoever was the last one to get in but uh we could have do that we'll do that next time i'm sure but there it is the winner daniel Heaford first time winner on winnipeg sports talk got the hoodie for you and uh of course rob is the uh is the winner
2: of the i love rye package a heck of a way to finish off the weekend ream what a what a race! That was an amazing track. I don't think we had any eliminations. Nope. I, as I bring my uh, myself in here one sec, and yeah, I mean let's go. We got yeah, Schickster. I was kind of happy he didn't win. He uh, won before. No offense, Schickster. I see less in there, uh, Running Man, who's lo- still looking for that keychain that I talked about uh, before. Well- Look at Les, a fifth place. I mean, Schickster and Les, two strong performances for mm-hmm. former winners. There's Jet Oil, Tom. I saw Sean Liska in there. I think he got tied up. He was he was close to, close to it in Miller time as a previous winner. So I think as we do, Jeff Cabillas, he's up there. So as we do, we had 110 people. I think last week was like 144. That was the record. So there are a lot of names. But yes, if you're listening on the podcast, I would say tune in. Friday, you know, we start getting into it at 2.30 on YouTube. You want to get in on this marble, marble race, fire it up. Uh, just, you know, search for us and subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed already. But as far as eliminations, I think we only had one, Mason Harris. Oh, I don't know how that happened, Mason, yeah,
1: but uh, I... you got the, uh, you got, unfortunately, you got ganked today uh, in the marble race. Yeah. Uh, hey, we got 199 thumbs up. Anyone, if you haven't done it, do us a favor. Let's get that to 2K. And if you haven't already, make sure you've hit subscribe to the channel Uh, of course we're off for a couple days we'll be back on monday with a big show wrapping the weekend for the bombers the winnipeg jets the bisons big playoff game tomorrow get on out there at ig field and of course canada in their quest to make the world cup of soccer tonight 8 p.m canada costa rica from commonwealth stadium with about fifty thousand fans couple big cfl games tonight and then, of course, Bombers tomorrow afternoon and the Jets and the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night at Canada Life Centre. Um, big thanks to, uh, of course, Coolbet Lines offer all the NFL new lock shop we did yesterday. Make sure to check that out. And if you do want to sprinkle on the soccer game tonight, the Jets on the weekend or the NFL, use the promo code WST at CoolBet.com for a 100%, deponent, 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Big thanks again to all of our sponsors this week. Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky TQ Group, Canadian Club, of course, Cool Bet Canada, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Not Auto Corp, and our good friends at Royal Sports. That's going to do it for us, folks. Have a great weekend. Stay warm. Stay off the roads if you can. But, you know, your boys will be back Monday afternoon, 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great one, and thanks for being with us. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home!
0: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.